Oh yeah. Hey guys, it's the uh, end of the summer and you know what that means. Last hot springs party of the season. If you guys want to grab your swimsuits and kimonos, you're more than welcome to join the trip. Just a couple of party rules before we begin. The following hot springs trip may contain uh, language and content that is not suitable for, uh, for younger listeners. So um, uh, listener discretion is, uh, is, is advised. Also, there will definitely be spoilers for Konohana Kitan and any other series or movie that we might bring up. So if something that we talk about is something you haven't finished yet, uh, just be, be on your guard so that you don't accidentally get spoiled. Alright. And finally, the opinions expressed by those that you hear are those of the individual foxes and spirits that you may encounter, and don't necessarily reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Hmm. When you guys are ready, let's enjoy a relaxing hot springs vacation. Welcome to Dub Talk, where we cover the latest and greatest in anime dubs. I'm the owner of this Konohana tape, Jamal, and we welcome you stay for the next however long this episode is. Catering to your entertainment needs tonight are my conscientious Andrew. Hi guys! How you doing? I'm here to take your service and have I hope I do a very good job. Noah. Dude, did you hear that there's a sumo wrestler coming to stay with us? I am amped up! And Steph. Hello, welcome to my ASMR channel. This is where we have the sounds of a bath in the... In the I don't know what's happening anymore. <laughs> I was like, you Jamal was like doing a bit. And it was like, this is like borderlining ASMR right now. <laughs> I was I was be the Sasuke. I thought you were gonna be the Sasuke to Noah's uh, Ren. Wait, is it? No, no, I was no, Natsume. He was, he was being Natsume. <laughs> Natsume, yeah. Actually, if you want to do I'm bath AS, AMSR, you gotta no. Blow, you gotta blow bubbles. <laughs> no, don't take Ste my water. Stephanie, Stephanie, if you if you want to be my yes. pink-haired lesbian lover, all you had to do was ask. No, she's no. hospitality She's by stoic, afraid of the dark lesbian. I am not afraid of the dark, thank you. I'm not afraid of the dark, so that does not work. If anything, I'm gonna be just Kiri trolling at all you bitches. Hey, that works that for me too. <laughs> that's a, not, you're not gonna be full uh, Ubaba for this episode? No, I don't think I'm gonna be. Yeah, that name came out of the field. Uh, no, I'm not gonna be full, yeah. full boss mode. I'm, I'm gonna be Kiri, who's gonna troll the fuck out of everybody. <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, means, please, everyone, let's be hospital, hospitable to our guests tonight. Of course, of course. Let's be hospitable so please, and not send so them to the hospital. please do not touch the guests and maintain social distances, everyone. Ah, uh, yes. And we don't discriminate yes. between human or spirit alike. Nope. Yes, and in case you couldn't tell by the warm hospitality tonight, We'll be covering the dub of Konohana Kitan and Yashike Slice of Life from Studio Lurge. Woohoo! 
and this episode is very special to me because it's my birthday episode. It is a belated year. birthday for Jamal. Uh, very happy, belated. Happy birthday from all of us to you. Wish this was my birthday so we could party too. Hey! Happy birthday. More that part <laughs> later, but uh, I decided this year, well, to be honest, I had actually been planning this for quite a while. I, I wanted to cover this show in particular for many reasons, but but brief history of it, uh, this was actually based off of not one, but apparently two mangas of the same name in Japan, mm-hmm. which the, I think, I believe the latter got licensed by Tokyo Pop, mm-hmm. one to of which, them did, yeah. uh, list, to which I listened to Andrew, a podcast all day, I could tell that was not a good situation. Mm-hmm. Tokyo Pop is and, a very polarizing company. Trust me, trust me, trust me, every Sailor Moon fan knows about Tokyo Pop the hard way. I feel like if you were an anime fan in the mid-2000s, you've got at least some beef with Tokyo Pop. I still have one volume of a Tokyo Pop manga in my possession because it's the first manga I ever bought. On top of that, when this show got picked to be animated, when this property got picked to be animated... Uh, we here at Dub Talk did something very special where uh, we did a yeah. uh, fall election arc. Ah, uh, yes, when we used Almost. to have full season coverage and do... impressions and no. Yeah. <laughs> that back was a nightmare. Back in the old days. Ha- yes, at that point, we decided to let the viewers pick what episodes they wanted to see us cover and, uh, Let's say there's a reason we restrict that to Patreon now, but you know what? That that's okay. That's all water under the bridge now. You know, we're here to help each other. About to say we never here. again to try and do the nightmare that is cover seasonal shit. We we tried. Yeah. We really have tried, but at this point, at the... this point, yeah, I don't. But it's you know, we learn. We we learn from our mistakes. We're here to help each other grow. We're here to heal each other, as you will. Uh, and we're so here tell to me scrub to... each other's Look. backs. Will you stop it? So my question, Jamal, is, um, you know, this episode was on the radar when it first came out. Um, Why did it stick so heavily in your memory that you wanted to cover it four years later? I guess because it's a Yashike, you know, because one thing I tend to do with a lot of birthday episodes is I try to find something that is reflective, you know, Mm -hmm. like, it really gets me kind of thinking, which is why the last time I did this was real life, because it helped me to realize myself as a person more, to the point I actually tried to switch careers once, but, uh, well, that's still, that's still going, but, uh, we'll see what happens there, uh, going on keep time with something different, because, you know, I like a lot of these kinds of shows where, you know, it can make me feel like some kind of emotion because... Actually, that's anime in general, but, uh... Yeah, like, Kono Hanukitan's a pretty chill one, but it knows how to hit you where it hurts. Yes, it's, and if... It's such a strange smorgasbord of content. Mm-hmm. It's... It feels like a bunch of shows that shouldn't work together, but it does. It is... It's a healing, comfy show. It is. It, it is yes, also it... an aggressively horny lesbian furry show. <laughs> like, it, I is think, also, I... it is the also to... a shockingly introspective, contemplative show about spirit, spirits, mythology, life, death, and like everything that gets lost in between. Yes, in case you're curious what it's actually about, here's a quick synopsis. 
warning, it's a little spoilery. I was going to save this for later, but screw it. Halfway between heaven and earth lies Konohanate, an inn where Yuzu, a naive yet eager fox girl, works alongside her fellow attendants. As patrons come and go with the passing seasons and connections blossom between the girls, Yuzu's curiosity guides her, because every guest, expected or not, has a story to tell and life lessons to share, and Yuzu is happy to listen. How's that even spoilerish? The part I where it's halfway like, between heaven like the, and earth, we right. don't really learn that until the very last episode. It's, right. it's kind I think of like, well, actually, I kind of learned that like midway through the show, but right. it also kind of comes up in episode four too, I, which we'll get to later. I feel like it's kind of alluded to throughout the show that not only mm-hmm. are they collect, connected to the the heavens, they are also connected to the mortal realm because right. the, the, it's pretty much a limbo, basically. Exactly yeah. what it is. It is a limbo, but it's not a dark gray spider murder zet den like some other limbos. <sighs> At the time of recording this, I'm going to hopefully finish that game this week. Heck yeah. But <laughs> it is a pretty cozy, wonderful world of spirits alike, and it's just... This it's is just precious. very... Very cozy show. So cozy. Which is, uh, despite the fact that there is a lot of hot springs and body humor in it, which you would peg to be a little more objectionable, this is a pretty chaste show. It is definitely on the emotional side. And if you can get over the semi-nudity portions, like there's nothing explicit, everything's covered up. But if you can get over that, there's a lot of feel-good life lessons portions in the show, like you were saying, Andrew. I wouldn't even say it's, like, because it has nudity or something. It's, like... No, no, in spite of that. Ah, okay. No, yeah, he was saying in spite of it. Yeah, so I guess... So I guess it's now time to dive into this limbo and figure out... (laughs) What does the fox say? God, no! (laughs) Not you, Jamal! Look, look. No one made that joke in this chat. The Skype chat was created. What the fuck? Look, I I love Zed. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I love Zed to death. She's like the little sister I never had. I respect her dearest. But goddamn, I've been waiting to make that joke since the helpful fox sake goes And goddamn it, I will make that joke if I want to. Because it's, it's my birthday and I'll cry if I want to. You would cry too if it happened to you. Ah. <laughs> Shit. Anyway. So who, what what fine brave studio decided to license and dub this chimera of an anime? Well, you know right off the bat, it's a Funimation dub. <laughs> so let's get into it as we always do with our ADR director and scriptwriter. Mm-hmm. Now this is an interesting situation because we actually have two, not one but two directors on this. Hmm. Yes, for our ADR directors we have Jade Saxton and Clifford Chapin. And as for our scriptwriter, we have Deborah Crane. Yay! Interesting. As for the things they've done, you've seen Jade Saxton direct other shows such as Tokiwadu Hanamaru, Interviews with Monster Girls, and Nekopara. Clifford Chaper, you've seen him direct Alice Soroku, Dr. Stone, and Planetarian. And both of them have worked on The Silver Guardian seasons 1 and 2, respectively. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was the, that was a fun time we did, huh, Steph? And then I got questions later, like, why did you talk about that show? Man, we got like half 
half of the, we have like half of the American fan base for the Silver Guardian in this call. <laughs> oh shit. I don't know if I would say fan base. Hey, I liked it, so... I mean, I enjoyed it, but it's not... It's, it's not, not my favorite well. thing. Exactly. But it's... It's fine. Anyways, tell me about uh, the train. Anyway, Deborah Cray, you've seen the right other stuff, such as... Eureka 7 High Evolution, Genocidal Organ, Harmony, Surrendering Children, and of course, she's the writer for Sailor Moon Crystal, which she's also writer... For the Eternal movies, which just came out this month. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. that's interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So, uh, who'd like to go first on this conversation? Uh, I will. I'll probably be very brief okay. about it. So, I'll start with the writing, because, um, I really, <laughs> I really love Deborah Crane's writing on this. Like, she must have had such a ball with this one, because... I'm used to a lot more of the dramatic scripts that she's written for. I'm, I'm glad you pointed out Genocide of Oregon as an example of that. Um, but, Lord Almighty. <laughs> yeah. There's just some moments and some like bits in the show where you can tell that the, she, she, she had to take... The script wasn't, I don't think... Um, I could be corrected if I'm wrong on this. I don't think it stuck 100% to the um, original translation, but it wasn't, like, extremely loose either. It was a fun little middle ground. Because of the fact that it's a comedy, you need to be able to play up um, some of those comedic moments, but at the same time, because it's a lot, there's a lot of traditional uh, Japanese myth and lore involved um, oh my god! With oh, it, wow! Yeah, yeah you have. You, you need a you need a goddamn encyclopedia to follow. If you're not ingrained in uh, native Japanese and Chinese folklore, you need the translator's notes to understand a lot of the yes. the references in the show. Yes, not the heart, not not the dialogue, not the story, but definitely the references. Yeah, definitely all of the mythological references. And I think Deborah manages to take all those elements and just not only keeps it keeps it done in a way that is easily digestible um, to the viewer, but also has a lot of fun with it. Um, my one note specifically regarding some of the fun moments. Um, so episode four. <laughs> the egg yeah. episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so slight, slight mini summary of episode four, because it actually involves a character we're going to talk about in a little while. Kakioin, did you lay this egg? Oh, good God. <laughs> you um, need to take responsibility. So, one morning, Ren just wakes up, and she has this egg attached to her belly for some reason. No one knows why or where the hell it came from. Um, and, essentially, the joke is, while this egg is still an egg, um, and this happens to both Ren and Satsuki, um, a lot of fucking pregnant jokes... <laughs> were made at their expense yeah and it was just so good because the 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 rest of the um the rest of the um employees of the konohanate were treating this as if like this like ren or sasuke were actually pregnant and then the joke is the two of them are like i'm not actually pregnant what the fuck so who's knocking up the toastess that's the big question <laughs> I, I know one of the jokes for especially with ren was um Natsume, how could you? <laughs> she's like, and Natsume's is like, he's like, okay, 
Um, I'll take responsibility, I guess. And then everyone's like, wait, what? What a champ. <laughs> Natsume is the best yeah. character. That's, I'm sorry. That's how you know she's a real one. Natsume. And she is committed oh, yeah. to this relationship. Oh, yeah. But, um, no, Deborah Crane definitely has a lot of fun with the, um, writing on the show. It just blends all of these elements together very well, and I enjoyed it. Directing-wise, it's an interesting situation, um... Because both Jade and Cliff, because I had to backtrack on the announcements um, from 2017 to make sure they, if uh, like, were they both announced at the same time? Was it one or the other? It was both of them. So this is a co-production, one like co-directing one, 100 yeah. percent all the way through. Um, and as far as I know, there's no uh, information as to who specifically did what. Um, mm-hmm. So for all intents and purposes, it's co-directed. Um. Yeah. I believe at this point in time, both of them were becoming a bit more established directors, if I remember correctly. Um, Cliff, at this point, this is a re- this is after um, things like Gosick came into play, where he became a full full time director with Funimation. Um, and if I am remembering my information correctly, I could be wrong. Don't quote me on it. Jade, I think, was only like a contracted director. Um, but I really enjoyed this team up a lot because <laughs> because like it's a fun balance with some of the fun cutesy little bits he, like the fun cutesy emotional heart moments and again with a lot of the comedy which believe it or not for the amount of dramatic things that Cliff tends to direct he's really good with his comedy shows. Um, yep. And it, it this is also one of them and it shows very very well. Uh, Jade is also, she's no stranger to the cutesy, kind of like, the the cutesy, um, I don't want to call it bait, like Yuri bait, or kind of, whatever this is, the cutesy shows, like, cutesy funny shows like this, because Token Rambu happened before this one. Um, so she, so it's a fun melding of the minds on this one, and the casting, the performances are so much fun. Uh, I honestly don't have a lot of gripes against pieces of this. Um, it's just so cute and relaxing, and you just want to spend the afternoon and just enjoy yourself. It's not on the level. <laughs> it's not on the level of what people will normally say. You can fall asleep nice and comfortably while watching Mushishi. It's not to that level, but it is. Mm. It is a fun, calming, relaxing show. Um, what for sure so i think directing and writing front it was very very well done i I kind of argue that it is a show you can calmly fall asleep to because i did a couple of times Um, (laughs) oh yeah that happened but everyone's different it's just like tonally speaking you're comparing like comparing mushishi to kanaha kitan it's a little bit different i I definitely say like the episode that is very i definitely say the episode with the rain where she's weaving the rain that one i can see people falling asleep to that is one of those exceptions because that is a really good one and just is very calming 100 percent. but in terms of like the whole thing I mean, it, it would be difficult to fall asleep to the goddess turns into tiny bubble creatures and we have mm-hmm. to catch all of them portions. It's, but, it would uh, also I, be very difficult to fall asleep to um, every time Yuzu freaks the fuck out or Okiko is being chased by Sakura, but that's but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the uh, but I mean, Mushishi also has a lot of those moments where it shocks you awake. Like, are you really going to fall asleep after 
girl loses eyes and has to have a glass one put in. If it was me, if I already fell asleep, that shit wouldn't wake me, would not wake me up. <laughs> I'd still oh. be out like a light. <laughs> <sighs> so many nightmares from that show. But no, this, no, to, to take the mic on the, the directing portion of this, this show is incredibly Japanese. Like, oh my God, yep. you could, it is engulfed everything into both, from both the visuals to the music to the myths and the, especially the character archetypes. The voice mm -hmm. acting on this is meant to be incredibly anime. Uh, because a lot of the characters are pretty rote anime tropes. You've got the the tight nose tsundere. You've got the loose uh, drinker who fondles the new girl. You got the new girl who's uh, just a ball of pure cinnamon sunshine. And all of them uh, have to be matched into the English directing. So Jade and Clifford's handling of it is to make pretty equivalent compromises in English. Uh, a lot of the characters have the same tenor has the same timbre as their Japanese counterpart speak pretty similarly without mimicking the style too much um, if you watch stuff like fully coolie is a good example where they couldn't really translate the archetypes into English so they just mimicked the Japanese they don't exactly do that in Konohana Kitan everyone sounds believable to the point that you could absolutely listen to this in English without needing to listen to the Japanese to get what's going on oh. Fully Coolie is an old school example where they basically tried to match the personality beat for beat. Yeah. That's yeah, back a before. Very old example. Back I still remember that episode. <laughs> back before we learned that, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't try to sound like the Japanese. Yeah, maybe we should, try maybe to we sound should like let English. people act. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we should. And act they do. Clifford and Jade let pe When characters have to be over the top and funny, they absolutely let them do that. But if they're not, if they're more serious, if they're more reserved, they rein them back in. Like, that's another point I want to point out is they're not uh, they're not trying to make this over-the-top comedic where mm -hmm. it doesn't belong. Everything is fitting in the scenes. And that goes for the script writing as well. Oh, my God. Deborah could not have had a tougher assignment in this because, um, okay, we just covered Princess uh, Jellyfish not too long ago. Yes. And that was mm -hmm. a show where the script absolutely made a ton of changes to the references. Mm -hmm. A lot of Japanese-centric references in their pop culture were modified for English speakers who wouldn't necessarily get them. Right. Now, let, let's go through a couple of the myths that pop up in this show, which maybe not everyone knows about. Let's see, show of hands. How many people are familiar with the Moon Rabbit? Oh, I, oh Princess I, Kaguya? Yeah. Princess Kaguya. I actually finally oh, watched yeah. this understanding how the whole Princess Kaguya moon myth works now. Yep. There you go. Okay, there. That's one that people know about. All right, what about the turtle and the, um, what's his name? Uh, do, 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 I had it written down here. The turtle um, named Sunny oh, yeah. Straight. <laughs> no, the, the, uh, the, yeah, the, the uh, Urash Urashima and the Tama Tobacco. How many people are familiar with that myth? Okay, oh, that one I don't maybe know I might. I might know okay. it. As soon as you said Urashima, uh, my mind went to Okami-san and the Seven Companions. That's why. I don't think. That's why that that's or Kami-sama Kiss, maybe. But, um. Gotcha. I, I mean, that may be ingrained in there as well. But, yeah, my point is, is that any Japanese person watching this is probably going to be familiar enough with the references. So, when you've got characters like Talking Turtles and Moon Princesses show up, uh, they don't have to have context for it. And this show could have absolutely tried to create context for the for the references for the myths for all of that for people who aren't familiar with them but there's just no time to do that the only way you could really do that is to have like pop-up text to have translators notes explaining what these are for the listeners but they don't do Funimation doesn't do that so what we got is we got 
very natural dialogue, very funny where it needs to be, and uh, ones where it, they just trust the audience. Like, Deborah yeah. just trusts the audience to infer stuff from the context, and if it interests them, maybe go research it some more. Like, after watching a couple episodes, I definitely went out and listened to, or uh, found out terminology like um the the yoamia which is the festival held on the eve of a main festival or yeah. the yeah some of those are the myth so yeah point is is that this is so japanese it hurts and it's uh, it's incredibly accessible in to english speakers with the way that uh the staff adapted it good job on you guys dub is good yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will now That's how you start. that is my opening argument i will now elaborate on that okay Objection! <laughs> Overruled! <laughs> Fair enough. Continue. Thank you, ma'am. Anyways. <laughs> so, Jade and Cliff are pretty reliable, consistent directors at this point in my mind. This is definitely what they were a little earlier in their career. They also got, had a pretty decent mix of people that were relative veterans, but also people who were really early on in their career or not given as much play compared to their contemporaries. I think a couple of them were a little rough in the start because they were still a little green, but they really built into their characters and their performances really well as they went along. And some of them had some pretty memorable moments and really touching, impressive performances. One of which was like, I think the first time I had ever heard this person play this kind of character before and it was it, it kind of like opened my uh, my eyes to their particular range i think jade and cliff do a good job with the comedy the drama and the mystique is how i'd say and mm -hmm. i definitely say deborah crane's writing is pretty good pretty accessible and pretty fun and enjoyable Mystique is a good way to put it because um did you guys look up what the translation of the title actually means no actually Okay, if I understand correctly, Konohana is uh, an abbreviated form of a ryokan, which is the kind of inn that they're in, that they stay in, like the very old-fashioned Japanese-style hotel. Right. And, and then Kitan, the way that the the kanji is written, translates to mysterious story. So you could translate literally to hotel story. So, so when you say mystique, like that, that's definitely fitting because there, there's a lot of mystery around how this universe works, and half the fun is just figuring out what the resolution's going to be in the end. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so my turn. With uh, Jade Cliff, because one thing with Jade is I know she tends to direct a lot of feel-good shows, not feel-good shows, but uh, I know she particularly likes the ones that involve animals and folklore the most, basically. Uh, it just it seems to appeal to her nature somehow, I can't really explain it, but when she does good work, she does good work. And Cliff, I know Cliff is no stranger to direct, and he's very structured, he's very focused, he knows what he wants out of the show and knows how to maximize every bit of it so seeing these two together was made for a very interesting cowboy very interesting dynamic to the point it's like they trust each other a whole lot especially when it comes to certain other projects as well which is why i mentioned silver guardian as for deborah crane and her script writing it was a good thing you brought up princess kaguya and how she has to uh, appeal to western audiences because i know 
from experience watching Sailor Moon Crystal, uh, which most of it is based around the story of Princess Kaguya, she mm-hmm. uh, she understands her way around Japanese folklore a bit. At least that's the vibe I'm getting from. And on top of that, like she knows she always figures out a way to appeal to certain audiences. I still remember uh, one line in Crystal where she where Sailor Pluto had talked about taboo. A law being taboo in Japanese, she changed that to sacred law. And I said to, I asked her, me and some, me and one other person, I asked her, why did she change the line like that? She said it was to make it so that the audience would understand this. Because if you think about it, what, 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 what comes to mind when you think the word taboo? You think uh, Ta- something to be avoided. Tattoo. That's what I. Shut think. up, Andrew. <laughs> Shut up. Something. We're not something going there for- tonight. Taboo to me would be something forbidden. Something to be avoided. Yes. Yeah, pretty much, which well not a lot of things were forbidden in this show as everything played out, but I know she has definitely has a good grasp on the story and that she did very well in the script. I didn't really see any problems other than, you know, the show could go a lot of places at the time, switching between folklore and comedy to being serious and dramatic where it needs to be. But she had to all that very well. I think you can say everybody did a very good job here then. So, uh, Heck yeah. I feel like I feel like the best way to describe the show, to anyone who hasn't seen it yet and has no context, for how to describe the feeling is it's like a really good apple pie. Because an apple pie has both sweet apples and bitter seasoning in it, like cinnamon and nutmeg. Yeah. But when you put them all together, they just make the greatest combination, the greatest feel-good combination in the world. Yeah, that's accurate, yeah. You got three cooks in the call right now. You're a cook, too. Yep, I'm a cook. You're still Andrew qualifies. He's He's still learning. He's a... He he can win... Hey, he can win this food wars, okay? He can win this shakugeki. You think you can win a food war against someone? Oh, God, no. (laughs) I mean, mean, not not, way in this call, but, you know, maybe someone else. Not anyone in this call. Okay, side note on that. Side note on that. I just realized... Yeah. uh, Shakugeki means food war, right? That's a literal translation, yeah. Yeah. So, wouldn't the title be food war, someone's food war? That's exactly what it is. Yo, but what the fuck? <laughs> they didn't want to make it too obvious in English, so they, you know, they just dropped his name from the English translation, oh, which is anyway. good because he's not even the best character in that show. Okay, before we go, before we have an all-out brawler who's best character, Megumi for life. Megumi yes, is I the do- best. I I agree with that. Can we move on to the next? Heck section? yeah, let's yeah, move do on it. to we the best characters so in this show. We got so many freaking characters. Let's do this. And not a lot of time, I guess. But uh, yeah, so we're gonna be covering everybody in large groups, except for the main characters. So there's a very good reason for that. So we're gonna start out with episode one, where you see uh, Yuzu's being escorted by a, a nun named Sister Bikuni, who raised her watch from when she was young. Uh, manages to get a job at the Konohanate because apparently she and uh, the uh, f- the lady that runs it has a prior history together. Mm-hmm. Also, on the back half of episode one, we meet a pharmacist who apparently somehow called the A&S, a as a furry guest. But uh, yeah, we we meet him as uh, he accidentally gets injured by uh, Yusu's carelessness and uh, 
Tries to make it up between her and Tatsuki by uh, having a little fun, I guess. Just pouring their leg. He, he has, his medicine. His, his medicine is. It's Competo. He's just got yes, Competo as medicine. That's adorable. That is adorable. User does what it? What's even more adorable is when you meet the priestesses of episode 2, uh, Hiragi and Ayame. Hiragi, you find out, is uh, Satsuki's older sister. To which you learn a little backstory about her. You think that Satsuki has an inferior complex to older sister. Turns out it's vice versa. And uh, Hiragi is pretty much could be an artistic. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Let me rewind that because it sounded wrong. Hiragi is being good at artist. While uh, Satsuki has pretty much the brains of the family. And as a result, Hiragi set off to be a priestess. While Satsuki works at the court of Harate. She's also the most horny. <laughs> Yes, thank you, I, Andrew. Hiragi because of bitches. Because yes. when you're looking for <laughs> when you're looking for a so priestess, horny. the thing you want in a priestess is their horniness. She, yes, she to is which not Ayami, afraid to be out there, and good for her. Yeah, speaking of being out there, I mean, points Noah, out that uh, Noah, who else do you want to make you pray, oh God, like a holy woman? Hey, I would get on. I would get on my knees. For here, uh, in more ways than one. Oh, she. Oh, she doesn't want you. I know she doesn't. She. She I, doesn't want anything with. No, the she's here for the snake of the Garden uh, of Eve. Yep, she's here for that clam bake. We get that. Jamal. By the way, Andrew. Is anyway, it, Andrew. Andrew. This is the second time we're covering a show where an older sister is named Kiragi. Isn't that awesome? Fancy that. Help me, Jamal. This is going nuts. Up, really, Noah? That's not me. That's me. Oh, oh, it's Jamal. I thought it was Noah I demand being a an apology. Now, Lilac, you get on your knees. I demand an apology. Nope. You ain't getting okay. one from me, bud. <laughs> I'm, I'm cutting that out of the episode and saving it for the Patreon. Anyway, <laughs> we to which we find out from my army that uh, Hiragi will pretty much help anything that moves. She, <laughs> Well, we don't know much about her other than I guess she's the best friend and other priestess. Mm -hmm. she, she is a good gal pal. Yep. Yes, gals being pals. So <laughs> they're all these just four. gals being pals. Anyway, that's a, this whole show is gals being pals. <laughs> Anyways, who voices the characters? Sister Bikuni is voiced by Lydia Mackey. The pharmacist is voiced by Brett Phillips. Hiragi is voiced by Kali Clickybeard. And Ayame is voiced by Trina Nishimura. Lady Maki, you've also heard as Vanessa Black Clover and Shizuri Mugido, the certain scientific railgun. Ben Phillips, you've heard as Shiraishi Golden Kamui and Yasuhiro Inaba and Tsukigaki Rei. Kali Clickybeard is no stranger to this show. You've heard as Titania, the ancient Megas Bride, and Momo Yaozu. Holy fuck. Wow, Momo Yayorozu. <laughs> Momo Yayorozu. <laughs> Momo Yaoyorozu in My Hero Academia. And Trina Nishimura, you've heard this chain in Blood Blockade Battlefront. And Kyoko Jiro in My Hero Academia. So shall we keep this uh, nice and brief for these characters? Mm-hmm. Okay. We, um, I mean, we can try. It's just, weirdly enough, three out of four of these characters have more to do. They show up a bit more often, so. Every one well, of these characters they, they, shows up at least twice. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, true. The pharmacist. The pharmacist. Show up a second time. The pharmacist shows up in the wedding episode too, right. and I quote: "Shows up in episode ten. Give a so. medicine that makes you bigger on your wedding night." I know where you go with that. Please, for the love of no. God. I mean, he also had medicine to make you small on your wedding night, so you better watch what you say, bud. Oh, no, no. That was after the wedding night. Trust me. On your wedding night, you're going to want that medicine that makes you grow uh, ten times. No, it, that was after the reception. That's it. I quit. I quit. It's, uh, okay. Let's tell you what. I'll, I'll make this very... Let's talk about that pharmacist, actually, because Ben Phillips is very sweet and adorable in this role. It's You know, he's a big... He's a big, furry... Bear, man, I'm not sure what animal bear you're supposed to Bear dog be. thing? Yeah, bear dog thing. And uh, because he's supposed to be comforting uh, more than intimidating, um, you know, he's he's even so uh, benevolent that he uh, doesn't mind that uh, Yuzu used herself to cushion his fall. Um, ben plays him off as just very sweet and adorable, especially when he's telling her, uh, I need you to uh, knock stars out of the sky for medicine. And of course, Yuzu plays along with it. So yeah, Ben's uh, entire veneer is, uh, and as one of the few males we get to talk about, is uh, very nice and very benevolent. Lydia is also very nice. Um, her standout scene, I feel, is actually the flashback scene where she finds yes. a yuzu sickle and, you know, adopts her basically as her own. And she's just very sweet and adorable in that as well. Um, the very maternal voice, which is good because I wouldn't really call any of the main uh, Konohanate um, staff members to be motherly-like. They're much more sisterly in nature. So Lydia kind of fills that maternal role that we don't get from those other characters. And now Colleen is interesting because a show of hands from the audience here. When you think of Colleen Clinkenbeer, do you, uh, what kind of voice do you think of? Do you think of lower voice? Do you think of mid-range or do you think of higher voice? Uh, mid-range to lower, usually. Yeah. Especially because sometimes Colleen plays boys. She does. I mean, when or, she... or or like older women. See, that well, too. Now that's Jamal's on the track of what I was thinking. I'm used to I uh, think of Colleen when she's not playing boys as low, uh, low voiced older women. So it's very interesting that in uh, playing Hiragi, she's playing an older sister with the same uh, kind of speech pattern that she normally does, but with a higher pitch. She's not playing low. She's not playing like her holic voice she's playing you know more of a younger character and again she does that very well so i just found that very interesting because she i keep forgetting just how much range colleen really has but that's also because i don't watch one piece so i'm not experiencing her in her most iconic role obviously luffy goes all over the fucking place he, he does and i'm not about to jump on that bandwagon i don't have time for 1000 episodes no one does the... it's not it's it's almost at a thousand episodes in Japan. See, yeah. the sub is there. The dub only just recently hit 700. And I, I, I know everyone's going to be like, oh, you don't have to watch it all at once. You know, just watch a couple episodes a day. And I'm like, but it's a lot yeah. of episodes. Good. It's a pretty big time sink. Good luck. I tried that last year. I failed. Heavy. Oh, Andrew and I, we were having that conversation the other day. Where he was like, I don't even know. Because some people in the dub talk group have done things like the year of bleach and shit mm -hmm. like that year of fairy tale andrew's just like watch madiness yeah. and andrew's just like how i don't even know if a year of one piece is fucking feasible considering it's not. i i i tried it didn't work the decade of one piece would be more applicable <laughs> i but, would uh, try i kind of want to try but it wouldn't be a year it would probably be at least two 
Andrew, would you be more inclined to do it if you had a group of people to share the experience with? Yes, actually. <laughs> oh, God. No, I, I agree. I, I also got through the year of Digimon because I had a group to, you know, go about doing it with. You people listening know who you were. That was a fun year until I gave up at when we got to um, Frontier. Anyway. But, Anyways, uh, moving on. Oh, and Trina, Trina does a very good job as Ayame. Ayame's interesting because she's kind of unassuming as the, you know, the gal pal to Hiragi. But uh, she gets one of my favorite deliveries, which is where uh, Ayame and Hiragi have, are kind of co-opted into doing a dance for a moon princess. Uh, but he, Ayame <laughs> knows that, but I could get the sister to do this instead. So what is she, does the show concoct a reason for Ayame to not be able to do the dance? No, she just goes, oh no, I stayed in the bath too long. I can't do it. And like, the delivery is just like that. It, it's so unconvincing that's pretty funny to listen to oh uh, she's so, so fake she's fakey at heart she is I, i'm glad the show didn't really i never would have guessed <laughs> well i'm glad the show didn't concoct an excuse for her to be unable to do that dance like i i like that that was it was a, it was a necessary comedic moment to balance out the dramatic sister rivalry that we had in that episode and for that trina definitely carries more than her fair share of the drama as the forgive the pun the straight partner to Hiragi. Oh, Lord. God, nobody in this show is straight. No. A couple people, at least one well, people get married. I, I can think of one other person in the next section. Uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. But yeah, yeah that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah to, actually, to keep this, let's to keep be real. This, this is Konohanate. Everybody's bi at best. <laughs> Also true. Buy at best. That's a good way to put it. Best buy. God yes. damn it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Who wants best to go next? Buy. You get two for the price of one. Oh, Jesus H. Christ. Really, babe? There, you can mix and match all sorts of appliances to this your heart's is... content. Does the, no. <laughs> does the H in Jesus H. Christ stand for homo? It <laughs> <laughs> sure as heck doesn't stand for hetero. Look, I'm not. Look, Jesus. Jesus has done a lot more things than you would think. So. Oh, I bet. Jewish boy. I, I haven't read oh, the. Ex God. I haven't read the expanded universe, but I, I believe he has. <laughs> I haven't read the expanded universe. Fuck. <laughs> anyway. I'm pretty sure that's frowned upon if you're not reading the extended Jesus cinematic universe. Oh mm -hmm. my God. Really. Really? One of you people talk about the, the cute fox girl show. Yeah, I'm sorry. Steph's looking at me right now. She seems pretty cross. Really, you think? You motherfucker. <laughs> you bet I'm fucking cross. Andrew, tell us about Lydia. <sighs> Do it, bitch. Lydia is a delightful mom figure, which, by the way, it's hard to not see her as a mom figure after watching recent seasons of Fruits Basket. <laughs> oh. oh, she's she is delightful in Fruits Basket, but she's also delightful as the very good sister Beacony, who literally just picks out a fox daughter from the garden that's freezing to death. I also appreciate the fact that wild yuzu is very much like a feral cat oh mm -hmm. yeah totally yeah 
aggressively so in that she is just hissing and she doesn't want to deal with anything until she starts coming over on her own time. It's like, that's cute. But Lydia does a good job. I love Ben Phillips as the warm, fuzzy pharmacist guy. He's such a good dude. I love, I love the sight gag where he's wet and he's so skinny all of a sudden. It's like, oh, oh, I, lo yeah. I, I love that little gag. Uh, Trina as Ayame does a good job as being the sweet, caring, but also possibly mischievous, uh, fox shrine girl. But yeah, you're right. The highlight for her was like the, oh no, I'm not feeling too good. Oh no, I'm falling, I'm falling. And Hiragi does a good job being the spunky little firecracker flirtatious. God, she was flirting with, she was flirting with Rem. You you know shit's serious when even Natsume was like that bitch her, that bitch hitting yeah. on my wife. Natsume, don't let anyone touch her, Rem. She better not catch etch me with my wife again, otherwise she's gonna catch these hands. <laughs> these paws these uphold heels. the law. Catch these hands and these heels. <laughs> Anyways, Kali does a good job being the shrine lesbian flirt. She good, and I like her relation. I like her teasing relationship with uh with Sati. Yes. What do you think what did you think of the flashback scene where we or not the flashback scene but like the resolution where she's kind of uh admitting that she thinks Satsuki actually is better than her? I think that's very fair and valid because siblings siblings really think the other let's be real if you're, unless you're a sociopath, I feel like you think most people are better than you. Yeah. Like, I feel like unless you legitimately yeah. are just a huge narcissist or sociopath, I feel like everybody thinks that the people around them are much more better and worthy than you are. Mm -hmm. So the fact that she thinks that her sister is much better and more up to the task than she is is actually pretty realistic i'm actually i was actually pretty okay with that development yeah and i, I like that that was you know contrasted with her like you were saying her more sinister not sinister but more devious moments then you see you see that whole other side of her it's almost like she's compensating for her insecurities by being that way huh do you want me to go to mall or do you want to go uh, I'll let you have a brief outgoing. So, uh, pretty much, uh, with Lydia, I always like when she plays the more, the mature adult characters, the motherly type characters, because it's always, she always has that soothing kind of voice built for her to be. Of course, there are moments I can think of where, you know, she's not soothing, but that's another story. That's not in this but, show. That's not in this show, but she does a very good job as the nun. Uh, Ben Phelps is the pharmacist, you know, even back in the day, you already hear, you already hear a lot of Ben Phillips, these, and you already hear a lot of Ben Phillips roles, period, but it's only now today. Give Ben he's, more work! Yeah, this was before yes. Golden Kamui and Jobless Reincarnation and all that fun stuff. Yes, but even then, you know, he's, he's still, he's still moving up in the food chain. Yay! But, uh, I love yeah, speak of food chain. Poor the Sasuke Yuzu's leg with those kampeito. That was really funny. <laughs> as, well, as well as the shrinking medicine incident. Oh, yes. 
To which Kiri was <laughs> Kiri was mean to Saki about that. <laughs> oh my god! Oh yes. Yeah, it was, it was fun watching. They say, they say sometimes put... they say in some stories that a kiss from their true love will wake up the princess. Like what? <laughs> blush, blush, More on blush. That later. That that's how love can be born out of misunderstanding sometimes. I mean, anyway, Ben Phillips. This is a a universe where sleeping next to someone gets you pregnant. (laughs) This is true. Poor Ren needs sex ad so bad. Yeah, they all need sex ad. Who are we fucking? Oh, I I doubt Kiri needs sex ad. She probably wrote the book. Okay, Kiri might be the only exception, but they all need sex. Oh, boss (laughs) fucks. Oh my god. Yeah. that woman has done things. <laughs> has done oh, things so and people. Obvious joke. Things and people. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Oh, she was good probably this... banged gods. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jamal. <sighs> good God. Anyway. You know what you signed up ben, for. Ben, Yeah, I know I signed up for, so. Uh, ben was good as the pharmacist. Kali Nisaragi. I will admit, yeah, I was expecting... Yeah, I guess because of Haragi's nature, the fact that she took a higher approach to her voice was made her, made her stand out as much as Haragi did because, you know, Haragi's the older sister. I thought, you know, maybe there will be some time that she at least be a little mature and use a deep voice, but I guess, you know, when it comes to being the free spirit, you know, Kali managed to match that energy perfectly, especially when she's just taunting Satsuki most times, but... With the, of course, with the revelation that uh, she's kind of inferior to her younger sister. Yeah, I can kind of relate to that. Simply rivalry a little bit. Because I know it's been some ways with me and my mm-hmm. brother sometimes. But I think between the two of us, he's a more better. But there have been moments where it kind of switches back and forth. But that's a that's not a story for this episode. And Ayame is a partner and priestess. Yeah, she's equally as mischievous too, but not, but not to the point like, you know, like she's just taunting Satsuki, but uh, she does a very good job playing the, the coy little priestess that Ayame is, you know. This is like, I guess, two pieces of the pod, you could say. <laughs> Especially when you see the two of the at the intro as <laughs> uh, Haragi's just looking very mischievous oh, yeah. uh, to yes. which yeah. y- you know when yeah you see everyone else is you know cameo fade in fade out but right at the bottom of the stairs like oh we should be paying attention to these two uh okay so I'm gonna try and be really really quick about all of these performances granted they also show up more than once compared to some of the other episodic characters so that's a thing um I'm going to start with Ben Phillips as the pharmacist because he is a precious, precious furry dog bear man thing. Um, and Ben is just a delight as this as this pharmacist who just means so well. He's so wonderful. We love him. Uh, Lydia McKay. Uh, she, she definitely has like... Um, Somebody said this earlier. Uh, has the more maternal figure, the more ma- motherly, maternal sound t- and tone to her voice, uh, which works very, very well. And I also agree that she's probably the only one with that. And the residents of Konohanate are more have like the sister tone. Um, mm. I actually wrote that as a note for a couple of them. Um, 
with maybe the boss. No, boss wouldn't be a mother tone. Boss is no. just a boss tone. <laughs> she, she, she is a girl boss. She's she's a lady boss. Um, but no, Lydia Mackey is a delight, and I also really loved um, the flashbacks with her finding Yuzu and Yuzu's upbringing, and it's just really, really precious and gentle and sweet, and very patient, especially with um, especially with Yuzu. <laughs> Because <laughs> Yuzu is just a precocious little bean. Um, IMA is uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna let me talk about Colleen and Trina at the same time because they have, both have a fun dynamic that they play off of each other with. Yeah. Um, and I kind of can't exactly separate the two of them because of it. Though Colleen's dynamic as Hiragi with Satsuki is also very interesting as well, um, considering the relationship, the, the kind of. I, I don't want to say it's strained. It kind of is, but at the same time, it's just it's all one misunderstanding, <laughs> in in a, in a sense. Um, also, their parents put them against each other for no reason. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but I really do like the dynamic between Colleen and Trina. Uh, Colleen being the ever so wonderful troll <laughs> that Hiragi is, and also just wants to, and is also just a flirt. She's such a flirt. And again, well, you know Natsume is gonna about to beat up a bitch. <laughs> you know. You fucked up. <laughs> you fucked up. Uh, and Trina's just... Trina's also a fun time. The voice, the tone of voice that Trina uses reminds me a little bit of... Oh, I forgot the character's name, but her character, Netoge. Akko? Akko. A little bit. It's a similar tone, except IMA is at least a little bit more older and mature sounding than than Akko. Um, but, yeah. It's a fun, fun group of characters. Yeah. I'm yeah. I, I liked how you mentioned the, the flashback um, with Yuzu and uh, Lady Lydia Mackey, because uh, that bit has uh, not as much dialogue, and I feel like some of the most memorable parts of the show actually are the ones without any dialogue. Oh, like, absolutely. Again, the next section, I think... Oh, yeah, the next section has her. Uh, Hiyori is one of those I, that I think speaks more yep. volumes without dialogue. Right. Which yeah. is not a knock against the voice actresses by any means. No, it's, it's just how the show is made. It's really Yeah. So y'all good to move on? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. All right. So we're going to take the next few episodes here. I, think, I believe... Two through seven, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so yeah, next up we have uh, uh, our only group of five for the night. Uh, starting with uh, Aoi. Uh, Think about Aoi is you find out the uh, Aoi accidentally drives a wedge between uh, Red and Natsume because Aoi wants to learn uh, wrestling from Natsume because they think is Aoi's a rest uh, that Natsume's a wrestler when really you know. She's just into the sport. You come to find out during the training session that apparently Aoi is a boy. What? Who went mistook, mistook for a girl at first. Leading to the wedge between them. And Aoi also mistook Natsume as a boy. So, <laughs> that of course. And, and somehow in the, in, in the confusion, uh, Aoi... At, 
ends up getting a crush on Red. Oh, yeah. And Natsume like, no. just shuts him down. Oh, so, uh, shuts him down so fast. I think the funniest yeah. thing to me is that is that Ren is so jealous when she thinks Owie is a girl because mm-hmm. she's like, oh, Natsume is such a huge disaster lesbian. Is she, is she gonna <laughs> steal her from me? And then as soon as she finds out she Owie's a boy, it's like, oh, I have no worries. Cool. It's like, no, I'm good. This is not yeah. even a competition. It's like these two... It's not even subtext. They're they're quite literally married with a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I love that spinoff of Married with Children. <laughs> married with a mortgage. They, I mean, look... They did give birth to a pig, after all. Speaking of which, uh, we have Technically, that Odosuke. was Satsuki who ended up giving birth to the pig. She they warmed fo- it. They fostered. Yes, they fostered the piggy. Speaking of fostered pig, uh, we have Odosuke. Uh, mysterious little pig Cute came little out of nowhere. Cute little mascot came out of nowhere. And he's a dream eater. We- yes, dream he's eater. He's a Gengar. Baby, so, uh... He's a Gengar that learned dream eater. <sighs> Wow, I was making a Sentai joke, but you went to Pokemon. I fucking did. You know I did. I love Gengar. He's one of my favorites. Okay, then. But, you know, speaking of ghosts, we also have Shido. A little girl who rapidly ages throughout the course of uh, the back half of second of the third episode. Episode four. Episode four. Thank you very much. You let you you then find out that uh, she's a child that died in infancy. That's a, and at that point, you know, she grows up rapidly because you know, she's living the, the life she, she never had. The, yep. the whole episode Basically, is um is a metaphor for parenthood, from pregnancy to marriage. Yeah. Yeah, that was. That nice was a tough episode, and it's not all- it's not quite as funny as that Steve Martin mo- or um not Steve Martin uh what's the white haired guy? It's Steve Martin. Steve yeah Steve oh I'm sorry you're right it's not as funny as that Steve Martin movie you know nobody throws up on anybody and nobody um steals their dad's car but it's about the same mentality. It's yeah that's thank what you hurts. for the father of the bride reference. <laughs> no that no that's the movie Parenthood, which came. Oh out I thought. Did someone steal a car in uh, Father of the Bride? It's been a while since I haven't seen it either movie, remember. but anyway. Oh my it's god. It's been years, so. I know, I just. But po- point is that being being parents is tough, and nothing drives that point home like Shino's entire journey. Uh, yeah, and speaking of uh, tough journeys, we have Okiku, who's a Japanese doll, who's a doll made for. Uh, for it was made by the finest Japanese craftsman. <laughs> ma- by a master craftsman. As she says over and over again. Was a, was, a, was a keepsake of an older, but his wife found it too creepy, so he locked her up and uh, basically kind of threw her away. So. Which, on the one hand, that's not nice, but on the other hand, traditional Japanese dolls are kind of creepy. They are extremely creepy. That's why they boified her, and now she's fine. Now she's collectible. Now she would be on somebody's anime figure collection. Now she can be in the me, me, me music video. Oh, no. Oh, my oh, God. Yes. 
No. I'm, I'm not even going to ask. So no. Speak of uh, collecting. Her, her figure uh, isn't quite as robust to be part of that. Anyway, can we talk about one of my favorite episodic characters? Yeah, speaking of collections, uh, we have Hiyori, who's a weaver the servant of the gods. She doesn't talk much until Yuzu starts singing and gets her to open up. You find that she's weaving a special, a special kind of fabric made from uh, the raindrops she collects in the sky. Mm -hmm. It was very cool, because when she, she unveils that fabric, it ends up... It makes a rainbow, which is definitely... They make rainbows, it's it's very precious. Butterflies in the sky. Hi. I can go <laughs> twice as high. What? Take, Take a, a look. look. It's in a book. Took me a second to realize we were going with that. Don't worry, don't worry. You have to leave too. Well, I, 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 I started thinking of diamonds in the sky, but I'm like, nah, I did not think of that song. I was like, where are you going with this? And then it took a minute, and I was like, oh, god damn it, reading Lila, Lila, I, I just have to ask. I want to know, uh -huh. have you ever seen the rain? <laughs> of course I have. <laughs> Excellent. So, who voices these uh, one-shot characters, Jamal? I'm saving Aoi for last for reasons. Uh, Unosuke is voiced by Clifford Chapin, our ADR director, one of. Shido is voiced by Brit April. Okiku is voiced by Sir Wheatenheft. Hiyori is voiced by Tia Ballard. And Aoi is voiced by Kate Glass. Uh, Clifford Chapin, you've also heard as Kita Suobuki, Good Luck Girl, and Katsuki Bakugo in My Hero Academia. With April, you've also heard Ritsu in Assassination Classroom and Nene Sakura in New Game. So, we did have you heard this Asusa Murasaka in Orange and Lonely Hoshikawa in Zombieland Saga. See about you for this Happy Fairy Tale and, of course, the Nami Momos in Kamisama Kiss. Speaking of Kamisama Heck Kiss. Heck yeah! One of my favorite teams. Caitlin Glass, you've heard this Haruhi Fujioka in Orange High School Host Club and Eugene in No Man of Nowhere. So, uh, That's another show where she got mistaken for the wrong gender. <laughs> I wouldn't exactly say mistaken, but... Th yeah, oh, you mean the whole school? Oran. Okay. Oran, she oh, Oran, yeah. Okay, so... Uh, I'm gonna be honest. Uh-huh. I, I actually dumbfounded that that was Caitlyn Glass's alley. Me too, actually. I know, right? Like, I feel like I've got a pretty good idea of what Miss Glass's vocal register is at this point and even that one i was like wow and holy then shit. she pulls this and it's like wait a second hold on this is not pinky <laughs> no 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 it's like i remember when i was watching the show simuldubbed and i don't remember ever looking up that owie was caitlin i might have and it might have just completely escaped me but when mm -hmm. looking at this again and um I, I I was I saw it was Caitlyn. I'm like, hold on, wait, that actually is. <laughs> I I'll agree with you. In fact, I thought that Aoi at first was a different actress who we'll talk about later in this cast list. So that also took me a little by surprise. But it shouldn't too much because over the years I've been incredibly impressed by Caitlyn's range. No, yeah, I mean, she, for sure. Like, oh I, yeah, she's think, totally capable. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, to um to really drive the point home, uh, Aoi's entire existence as a 
not quite sure what gender they are character, uh, really does help develop Ren and Natsume's uh, character arc a whole lot. Yeah. And I, I, I like that the part that they, um, you know, in a show that's this uh, nudity friendly, you would think that characters that are like unconventional for their gender would be kind of looked down upon. Like, oh, you're flat chested. We must mock you for that. Or, oh, you're a boy who's feminine. We must mock you for that. But they really don't do that, uh, especially with Aoi's uh, portrayal. Like, they're surprised at first that Aoi's actually a boy. Like, that's the joke. But it's not played up as a joke that they're un that he's unmasculine, especially because he wants to be a sumo wrestler. Right. If anything, Red's just relieved. It's like, ah, oh, it's just the sky. I have a shot. <laughs> cool. We're good. It's like, oh, okay. This is, <laughs> there's no competition here. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Uh, it's just yeah. like, okay. Yeah, no. Like, she swigs. She swings for the home team. Hard. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Urinosuke, uh, oink oink. Oink oink. <laughs> oink oink oink. That's what I put down, boys. Uh, oink oink. Oink. I hope I made my point across. Urinosuke's inclusion feels very uh, obligatory because a lot of anime will have one episode devoted to introducing an animal side character. And that character never gets a development after that. They are they are just in the background. They are just a cute side animal. And you get one actor to make animal noises throughout the duration of the show. He, listen, listen here. Cliff made cute, adorable piggy noises, and it's wonderful. <laughs> he, made, he, he made cute, oh. he made cute uh, piggy noises, yes, he indeed. Was cute. I was going to say, his, his role is basically to become uh, Okiku's legs. Yeah. yeah. Which honestly, I, I I actually feel kind of bad. We're talking about Okiku here because most everybody else in the show is basically a one-off. Okiku mm -hmm. basically becomes a main care main cast member. Right. The only issue yeah. is there's no real place to put her, considering. No, her no, no. I, I agree. I agree. I'll get to her in a second. Yeah. Uh, Tia Ballard as Hiori. She does a good job weaving that we web. I love Tia. I yeah. like the kind of like. Her. She's very sweet. She's very hardworking and diligent. I like when she finally gives in it's like oh i want to hear the song or ooh, i want to have it have a, a tia, tia kind of gives hiori like this such calming and gentle tone and it because it's and it's you this predates a few other roles that kind of use more of a mature like a mature sounding tone like your zero two for example um but this is one of the more calm more gentle um performances for Tia, and I just outright loved every second of it, honestly. It's imp it's impressive because her character is defined as being kind of cold and distant. Yeah. Uh, for the Because she's so hardworking that you would expect her to have a more angsty, maybe slightly gruffer voice at the beginning, which would change later on. But no, even in her first couple of lines, her, her voice is just hushed, like you were saying. But it's still very uh, uh, in emblematic of the character of someone who's trying to reach up to their siblings level, uh, yes. going back to the sibling rivalry thing. That's someone thing. who does not feel as good. Like, uh, what was it? Her oldest sister had all the talent. The middle one had all the speed. And no, no, no. Her, her youngest had the speed. She was the odd middle child that didn't really have either yeah. of her abilities. Okay. So, yeah, so that, that I think Tia really gets Hiyori's entire... Um, personality and kudos to the art direction because you'll notice that in that second half of the episode the colors are all washed out oh yeah oh yeah no yeah. i thought that was cute it's a fun different it's a fun different um 
tonal change animation-wise, and I think it works very well. Especially yeah. considering at the end where Hiori reveals the rainbow and then all of the color comes back into the world. Ah, uh, yeah, the Skittles took over again. It was such, it was such a great <laughs> they, reveal. Listen, listen, y'all bitches gotta taste the rainbow somehow, right? Mm. That, that, that we did, especially that lemon flavor. So let's talk about the character that made oh. me realize this show isn't just a kind of like mytholo like this kind of like a mystical, slightly horny show. When made me realize, oh no, this one might actually be something special. Let's talk about Shino. Oh my god. Yeah. That entire episode, that entire portion of episode, because I had actually heard about this before about about people who have dolls made for those who lose their children young and kind of just can't let go. I had heard about this phenomenon before, especially mm -hmm. in like a death and dying course in college. But seeing her mother, as well as seeing the child that never was getting to live the life she was always meant to. Fuck, dude. Yeah. Fuck, dude. Mm -hmm. And Bryn does a great job like, I feel like you can tell, like, when some of these characters age up, like, you hear them age up. You hear Bryn literally pay, play the entire age range of oh, yeah. Shino oh, yeah. in, like, Newborn, half middle, an episode. Okay. Newborn, toddler, child, adult. teenager, adult. She gets to flex her entire vocal range, essentially, and grow, make this character grow in a span of, like, Ten minutes, basically. Oh, and she does yeah. it spectacularly, seamlessly, and yeah. it breaks my goddamn heart. Goddamn. It, it was all. I think what really makes that hurt so much is that you're not really sure what's going on at first. Like you, you get there's an older guest who's making a dress, and you're mm -hmm. like, okay, that's cool. And at the same time, little kid character running around the screen, and it's not until like I mean, like two minutes before the end that you connect the dots. It's like, oh, oh. Oh no! Oh yeah. no! And not only that, but her mom passes on too after the fact when she's finally oh, done man. with the wedding dress at the end. Oh my heart! Oh, uh, it's like she could finally let go. It's like yeah, fuck, dude. She was finally able to be the mom that she's always wanted to be. So it's very sweet. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> and Sarah Weedenhef is just a. Perfect little bitch gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we go from sentimentality and such precious moments to fuck no. this little bitch gremlin. <laughs> oh no, she's great. Oh no, no, no. Okay, no, not fuck, no, not fuck would... this little bitch gremlin, but here's a little bitch gremlin. Let's go. She she's I mean, she gets uh, she gets Jessied from Toy Story. That would fuck you up. Oh no. no that's a different character that we're gonna. Are we gonna no. Yes, we are. In the no. Next, in the second she episode. gets her happy ending. This one doesn't. Uh, when somebody leaves. No. Okay, we're going to get copywritten if you start going this route. Oh, please. When, yeah, would, so, uh, when, would <laughs> when would Disney make frivolous copyrights about things that they don't actually really own? Every time. I don't think Randy Newman would come sue us. So he thinks. I'm making a joke because anyway. I literally have been in copyright striking the Loki stuff lately. Despite the fact that Loki oh. has been a mythological character for hundreds to thousands of years. 
figure meant to put this on the Patreon only episode. Oh, come on. <laughs> Look, what are they gonna are, do? Are you... Stab me? Says man who was stabbed. <laughs> Tonight, anyway, since I was. Sarah Wayne has is great. Okiku is a cute little gremlin child. I love her. And I hope she doesn't get her hair cut off. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. I'm done. <laughs> anyway, y'all good? Cause I was I'm about to say, I think, I think the three of us just said the majority of our thoughts, and then poor Jamal hasn't gotten to say anything. anything. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much most of you. Yeah, so pretty much most of y'all said my thoughts. Uh, so we did have was a little good, but scrambling, creepy doll. It, it sounds like joke that is pretty much like if you follow so we did have Twitter, but you know, she at the end of the day, <laughs> Okiku is a gentle, kind person, so so and so did very good jobs. This character, yeah, Clifford Shake is a good piggy piggy. Uh, he's not a big red pig, he's a little green pig that's gonna uh, treat, treat me to marry. <laughs> That when you said it, I'm like, oh no! <laughs> Cliff does very well. Uh, Caitlin Glasses, Owie. Yeah, that was a hell of a surprise. Like, that's when you say you get a glass by Caitlin, she pulls something out of left field. Like, not as much as the Australian accent in the Africa salary, man, but it was very fucking impressive. I mean, we're talking about Little Boy, it was very impressive. Yeah, you you gonna have to watch Africa Sally Med get I that. do. It's been on my two watch list since it came out. Yeah, uh see you battle this Yori. Yeah, she's very common as well. It kinda of reminds me of uh what we talked about her last stuff. The last episode. She has yeah. a similar it's kinda of a combination of her usual voice and the Told she, she took it both for me. It's a combination. Yeah, this predates both for too. So yeah, I see I don't. I don't predates both for me, but the fact that it should be common, especially when the whole setting, the art, the art colors that no point out is kind of muted. It, yeah, it, for a very fresh tone when everything was just like uplifted all of a sudden. But yeah. I do agree that the, but of course the standout here is a uh, bread and she though because. Yeah, that episode made me eat a little bit. It's also one of the episodes I realized that it's a kind that the the dimension are the dimensioner is kind of a limbo between uh, heaven and earth. Yeah, I think this is the first time we see human characters interacting. Yeah, and you and you got and you got. I kind of wondered like how how is this exactly gonna work? Because it didn't make it entirely make sense to me, but. The kid rapidly aging, and then Kiri comes with the exposition, and it's, all of a sudden it makes sense. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> also, uh, uh, Hiori gives us the good lesson for the episode. Don't overwork yourself, people. Don't be part of the slave wage economy. Take breaks, eat your onigiri, and take good care of yourselves. Also, I have uh, fighting words about that. Bryn being the best character of the section. It is clearly Cliff is the piggy. <laughs> <laughs> that is wrong. It is clearly Ernie no Look, I understand Cliff breaks home to bake it, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. We love you, Cliff. How about this? We'll, we'll say that Ernie is the best character, but Shino is the most memorable. I mean, she's up there, but personally, I think Hiori is probably a bit more memorable to me, weirdly enough. But, um, yeah, Shino is definitely up there, though. Yeah, Shino's entire art, just, it, that was a 
kind of a hard episode mm -hmm. to watch once I realized where they were going oh, with yeah. that. Because as someone who also lost a daughter uh, after being only alive for three days, that was that was rough to watch. But it was cathartic to to know that you do need to let go after a right. while, and that yeah. it's he it's healthy to grieve. It really is to do that. And so it's kind of nice seeing that they acknowledge some people are able to do that uh, through this this holiday, this Shinchokusan holiday, and others just need mythological means to reconnect with their daughter. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. What got me was not only the daughter because I lost a cousin years ago. I'll I, I'll explain that uh, off after recording, but I, also the old woman when the old woman passed, that was also the touch it to me as well because I also lost my grandma. And, like losing family members, losing family members in general thing. can be hard. It's oh, always. It's very tough. Yeah. And, uh, Man, I thought this episode was hard. That episode eight came, but it's not—it's not gonna be as hard. But Speaking it was very—it was damn hard when I realized what they were going for. Because with episode eight, are we going to move on first? Yes. Of all? Yeah. Let's I, talk. I didn't think when you got talked. So I, I think that that was a very heartwarming and memorable section we talked about. But can we have a section that's maybe not so heartbreaking in the next section, Jamal? Um, maybe. I think you're gonna oh, be hard pressed to find that one. <laughs> Yeah. All yeah, because. Right, bring up yeah, we'll Andrew's. One of Andrew's favorite episodes. Okay, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. How does this work as well as it does? <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be talking about episode 8, the Matsumoto family, which consists of Ray, who's basically a compulsive liar, but she kind of gets fun out of her lies to the point that nobody believes her anymore. I kind of realized the moment I saw the slippers. I think she might have tried to commit suicide. Oh, she no, absolutely, she absolutely did. did. That is a very yeah. shorthand. Yeah. Not not subtle nope. about it. It's only when she's in limbo and she talks to Yuzu that she really come out of it. Uh, her and her friend who's played by Mega Shipman. We also meet her dad later on who we don't know so that were actually her stepdad. Mm -hmm. uh, compulsive Smoker is also in limbo due to a car accident he encountered which we learned through Ray's mom was a uh, it was an accident at work, which resulted in the loss of his eyesight. Yep. He's very proud of his daughter. Was really, wouldn't do anything for her. And then he encounters... Uh, uh, he has a funny little ch little chat with a small character named Kaito. Oh, Kaito. Precious being. Kaito, you learn that uh, he's not as much... He's not as different as Ray's dad. Uh, pretty much... His family dynamics is unusual. He feels that he's not needed. Like his path in life is uh, tracked by somebody else. And then, you, and then you come to find out that uh, Ray's dad's accepted of him because you learn that uh, throughout the back half of the episode, Kaito is a dog. Yeah. What? Kaito's a dog, and he's trained to be a um, seeing dog for the blind. As it turns out. They probably wouldn't normally just rip a, like, kindergarten-aged child out of his parents' house. Yeah. The parents that they were referred to for Kaito is actually his foster family, so. 
Yeah. So, which is kind of spoiled. It's spoiled if you watch the show with the subtitles on or the closed captioning on because they very specifically label the mom and dad foster mom and foster oh, dad. Oh, yeah. really? So <laughs> yeah, the, they do. Okay, so the English I mean, t decides to make it a bit more subtle than that. So that's actually a good change. Well, at least the yeah. closed captioning. That's actually a good change. I like that. It's, le it's less the fact that the subs spoil it intentionally more that... They, they in the in the script or something it was probably listed as like that just like when they were happening. Yeah. Well, anyway, anyway, Kaido fights Happy Slater on because it turns out he's adopted by Ray's dad. Who of course is end up blind from his car accident. So but, uh, I love it. I actually like but, super adore the fact that like sometimes like when they do like two half stories in an episode, it's like okay, they are they were chap. They were two different chapters of the manga that they just kind of shoved into an this episode. This one kind together. of links together. Yeah. This one actually like makes the, the entire package like worthwhile no, and yeah. come together in the end, and I really applaud the effort for that. Oh yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. One of the ways you find out connected is that Ray ends up going to art school and draws picture books for a living. Yeah. One of which the dad has his house. Mm -hmm. That's how you know the connection for sure. Like that's one hundred percent confirmed that um, Ray is in that, fact the daughter. That that's how you also know that she was a limbo because you look at the fox her character's talking to. I, and they're not only connected by the events, but they're also connected by the lesson where both the uh, Ray and her dad have to face that no matter how pressing your problems are, you should never run away yes. from them. Pretty much play these three. Uh Ray is voiced by Macy Ann Johnson. Her dad, her stepdad, is voiced by Marcus Stimic. And Kaito. Marcus. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's and, been a hot minute. And Kaito, Kaito actually has two voices. For the younger self, who we see most of the time, we have asked Victorin. And for the older self, we have Justin Bryder. Basically, puppy to big boy. To big doggo. Yeah. Good, good big boy. Good big borker. Big borker. Bork, bork. Macy Ann Johnson, you've also heard Lil Yoko in the helpful Fox Seiko side, Akko Hatuda, Hardboy Alice in Magical Girl Racing Project, and she was recently announced as Hoenn in the show by Rock Bashumayresh. Marcus Stimmick, you've heard of this Ryoba Tarasika in Assassination Classroom. How the hell did I misspell assassination? That's a lot of S's, okay? <laughs> it's true! I just want I just uh, wanna say that you you could have hidden that mistake, you just made that public. <laughs> I just noticed yourself. that. <laughs> yeah. Mayuta Ado Geo School Road and Dr. Giovanni Fire Force. Oh, also... fuck Dr. Giovanni. Fuck him. I hate him. Marcus yeah, is great, tried. buddy. Fuck Dr. Giovanni. Uh, Alice Victor, and you've heard this Kuroko Shirai, the Veldex franchise, Shoda Makatsuchi and Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, and QT in Space Dandy, Justin Brandon, you've heard this Kid Road and Dr. Stone, Deco and Deku in My Hero Academia, and Hanako-kun that told about Hanako-kun. Uh, Jamal, I, I'm, I'm very sorry here, but if... Jamal, I know that we don't have to list every single credit that someone We would not! I'm going... I'm just picking out the OED important ones, so... Well, if you're going to talk about Allison Victorin voicing a young boy character, how can you not mention Detective God Conan? God damn it! Do you know how many boy characters she's voiced? A lot. That All of them. Every one of them. <laughs> we ain't yeah. got time for that. We ain't got time That's for that. We enough. ain't got time. Listen, we listen to me. <laughs> listen, listen to me. Listen to me, though. All right. Listen to me. Okay. I'm the captain now, okay? <laughs> 
look at me. Look, Mutiny. look at me. Look at me. I am the captain now. <laughs> oh shit! I am the captain now. All right. Uh, so I know. Why'd you stop? Go first. Oh, I'd love to because this. Uh, so Talk this family. Yeah, this family dynamic is uh, it's interesting. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll focus on the voice acting here. Um, so you guys were saying that this was one of Macy's first uh, named roles in voice acting. Um, it's interesting because her delivery for Ray is actually not what I had expected. Because I expected with Ray's uh, lying tendency versus her like depressing state that she would have uh, very distinct voices between the like clearly lying to people, making up stories about I'm a mermaid or I was shipwrecked, but then have like a more somber voice for her uh, what's actually bothering her. Um, but the way that um, Macy uh, delivers Ray's lines is interesting because it's like uh, it's a little hopeful uh, when she's uh, in the more depressing parts there. It's almost like, yeah, she's d she's down because the world is not treating her well and her she's not happy with the way that her boring life is going. But there's still that twinge of optimism there, like that energy that gives her the spirit to make up stories is still carrying her a little bit. And that's not something I got from the Japanese, from my memory. So I, I kind of commend Macy for going that interesting direction with her uh, delivery of Ray's lines. I don't know if you guys, like, got a similar vibe from uh, from her delivery. So, something like it. kind of. But at the same time, though, um, given the fact that, I mean, Ray obviously decides, you yeah, know what, I'm going to commit suicide, so... That's a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. They 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 don't. Yeah, was... They don't explicitly say it, but the fact that they show her her, her shoes, shoes at the on cliff the side, cliff yep. side, like that's it's very like, much yeah, the implication. Yeah. Um. I mean. How many times does Yuzu brush with death throughout the entire show? A lot. Like at least she, once. She takes episode. a wrong cur She takes a wrong turn at Albuquerque, and she's almost in hell. <laughs> Gotcha. Like, at least three different times throughout the series. Yeah, three different times. No, but, um... You gotta keep a leash on that girl, shit. My, my thing is with Macy, um, I would say... A lot of it comes back to Ray's compulsive, compulsive lying, you know? And, cause... I understand that you, you kind of heard that a bit of optimism and you weren't expecting it. If she's such a compulsive liar, she's gonna lie about how she's feeling. Oh yeah, I was I was actually just yeah. thinking that when you're bringing it up, it's like would she not even know the difference between like if she's feeling happy or sad? Right. Yeah, like, yeah. She does. She can't even. It, yes, that's what compulsive symptoms are like. Yeah, you you don't even realize you're doing them. No. Yeah. It's. I I I I don't think it's not she doesn't realize just she's doing it. She's doing it just so she can still like. It's like putting on a face to show, like, yeah, I'm perfectly fine. Nothing is wrong. Um, and for, I would, I can't speak for everybody who goes through, like, depression or things like that. But, like, depression sucks. And a lot of times people oh, just shit. try to, <laughs> yeah. Um, people tend to mask how they're feeling just so they can, like, usually either a mix of get through the day or not worry not have people worry about them so they'll just pretend everything is hunky-dory and i think that's kind of the direction that they that macy went with ray and i actually think it works really well hmm. so but yeah i i think macy does have a very interesting tone of voice 
though I feel like you can definitely hear it a little bit whereas she sounds good but you can definitely hear that this is definitely a, her early work for sure yeah because I know on because what I usually hear in something nowadays is on the high end it sounds something right. close to like Something like Jill Harris, I would say, but on the low end, this sounds something close to Felicia Andre. There, yeah, so there's an when I hear cause and effect when you are so really new to the voice acting game. Yeah, you don't have a typecast yeah. yet. Right. It's basically yeah, you finding don't... yourself and finding mm -hmm. what you are most comfortable working with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't have a typecast yet, but at the same time, it's like like certain knows go off in your head it sounds like huh wait a minute i think i heard oh, yeah. this before that you find out it's not who you think it is yeah. you know? jamal it's interesting you kind of compared like the tone of voice to like a felicia or a jill in terms of this role i would in terms of other roles that macy has done since this um i actually and i wrote this down as a note for myself i equate this to a chie from higarashi like yeah. the tone is because you said yourself, we're, we're a lot of a lot of roles that Macy has had since then is more of like a little bit of a higher register, uh, more of like the peppy, upbeat kind of girls. Um, Ray, this is not; she has those moments, but the tone itself reminds me a lot of Chie from um, the new Higarashi show. So, you know who does have a type though? Uncle Marcus. Marcus. <laughs> yeah. I miss Uncle Marcus. <laughs> I was talking about Uncle Marcus. He's not gone. We just we just that. miss him. We just don't him. get to hear him much. I, I was going to say, you were saying that where it's like, I miss Uncle Marcus. Wow. It's like, babe, he's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I, it's like that scene from Brother Bear. Sometimes I can still hear his voice. <laughs> That's where that comes from. God. <laughs> this actually, this, oh, it's, it's kind of funny I bring up the new show by Rock. This actually seemed like that at the beginning. <laughs> oh, I still need to watch yeah. the new oh, yeah. show by Rock. <laughs> I gotta so, watch a lot of There's things. so much to yeah. watch, dude. Everybody's been freaking catching up this week. Why are we recording this? We, we should just stop this recording and go watch Show by Rock. Okay, we'll be bye. back in a minute, guys. <laughs> wow, I cannot believe we watched that entire okay, so we, show and have come back and can do an entire amazing. book report analysis on Show by Rock. Aren't you glad that we got to watch another furry uh, show yeah. in this But anyway, Marcus Stemmick. Anyway, Marcus Stemmick. He's very good. He has he's very tired dad energy. But you can tell he's not like asshole dad. He's just grumpy. Like, he's not a bad person. He's actually hardworking that truly loves and cherishes his family. I don't even think grumpy's the right word to describe it. I. I mean, he is when he's being kicked out, well, I feel like. but I would kind of describe it, especially with his interactions with um, Kaito, is more tired. Yeah. That's, that, I think yeah, that, that makes a better tired. description than grumpy to me. He's worked hard, he's yeah. done his best, and even now that he's old and weary, he mm -hmm. can't live the life that he used to live anymore. And, and he has to come to terms with that. I always find it interesting for certain actors that get the chance to play out of their normal typecast. Because, listen, typecasts are, are, are fine and dandy, but sometimes it also sucks because you're kind of stuck in this box. Marcus sometimes tends to be in that box where he's usually, like, the bully or, like, the, the tough gangsta thug or things like that. But this is very different, and... 
I know I usually say fuck Gio- Dr. Giovanni, but like Dr. Giovanni is another instance where he gets to actually like play with his range a bit more. And oh, that was so- insane. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I, as much as I hate Dr. Giovanni, Marcus is wonderful as Dr. Giovanni. Um, but this is definitely one of those cases where it's the it's a different kind of role and performance that Marcus gets to play, and I I honestly loved it. Also, what was that line about like hell not wanting him or something like that? <laughs> I'm trying to remember how that he- went. <laughs> uh, can, can, oh, I wish I'd uh, he thought that uh, he woke up in heaven and it turns out he was a little boy. Kiri says, I "See, hell wasn't ready for you yet." So uh, <laughs> which, didn't watch it yet. <laughs> hell, hell couldn't contain him. Which is nothing good contain- because nothing contains Uncle Marcus. This was a very good performance. I would definitely say that he really, really did a good job with the good. He good dad energy, tired dad energy, but strong dad energy. Good tired dad energy. Yeah. And then surprise pupper, and it's <laughs> you very surprised. What pupper. is was up with the? Because I was so used to the show, like, being very clear about who are animal characters and who are human characters, because, you know, you give them the, the fox ears or the rabbit ears. But with this character, it's it's a it's a puppy, but we don't realize that until the last yeah. 60 seconds of the episode. Yeah. Which I actually did like that twist, and I feel like uh, something I'll say is I think that the show does a fine job putting, like, half episodes or basically putting, like, two or three chapters in the same episode. Mm -hmm. does a good job, like, having them in the same episode. But I don't think it always has the best job making, like, a cohesive connection. This one is, like, the best because Mm -hmm. it is two separate stories that come together to connect to the whole family. And I think that was a nice surprise all around oh yeah honestly i think episode as a whole was the only intent to connect those stories together everything else was just circumstance oh absolutely but i think even just just having that one little instance uh, of connectivity between the two it kind of makes it a more complete like a complete story in its way that and the fact that kono hanate existing in basically limbo is you can play with the perception of time a lot oh 100%. oh yes because it's clear like yeah. when uh it, when ray was a teenager is not the same time period where uh her father got into the accident and lost his, her, his eyesight she is clearly an older woman now and no, a published yeah, author absolutely like oh, time yeah. can be played and, around with in really interesting ways, and I enjoy that. But yeah, I'll say uh, Allison yep. does a good job playing a good little goober shitlord. <laughs> and Justin Ryder <laughs> does a very good job sounding like a very uh, well-behaved uh, preppy man. Which I, I love that he just care like, he's just a little shrimp lord. And then he's older and he's carrying Yuzu. I'm like, oh, that's adorable. And then he's just a he's just a dog, which I'm like I appreciate the twist that it, it being a dog, but man, I'm a fucking <laughs> sap. He's he started crying when when he was watching it. It, it, it was, was no- so touching. It was like meant to be, it and then so it's like he was. They were helping each other in their time of need, where he had lost hope, and he had found a purpose and new purpose and he was his buddy and they were buddies and they met before they knew they were buddies <laughs> are you 
you're tearing up right now, babe. No, I had some onions from food earlier in my eye. The onions were cooked, no, no, you see, bastard. <laughs> now see, see, this is what the the All Dogs Go to Heaven sequel should have been god about. Damn it. Oh, good god! <laughs> I don't know about that one. Anyways, I, mean, I, I, I figured it's, wor yeah, it's worth noting that... if all if dogs don't go to heaven, then what the fuck is the point? We need a Twitter account. Can you pet the dogs in heaven? <laughs> wow. See, that, see, that might get in trouble with the church, but still. Good luck with that one. Uh, I don't know if the Pope has a dog or not. Um, anyways, Alice, I agree. Allison's uh, performance is uh, it's fitting for Kaito's precarious puppy self uh, before we find out that he is a puppy. Um, I was actually mentioning before that I thought Allison was going to be elsewhere in the show. I thought that Allison was going to be uh, Owie, actually, the, uh, the one who... Uh, wanted to learn sumo you wrestling. You know, I could because, see that. Yeah, because Allison uh, is, is cast as uh, boy characters a whole lot. And, well, she is in this as well. But, I mean, like, ones that are human? I, 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 that's not the point. Uh, Allison uh, handles both halves of Kaito really well. Like, I like how she's got that uppity, uh, I got an important job and I'm actually better than the servants who work in this hotel uh, meanness. But then when Kaito gets nicer and actually dips into comfort dog levels, especially with Ray's dad, it's, you know, it's the same character, obviously, but just speaking in a very different way. Like the speech pattern is a little bit different. That's really hard to do, to have the same character speak in two different ways and still be identifiable. Oh, yeah, for sure. Ah, uh, damn it. What? I thought to myself, maybe I should submit Kaido to Anime Dog of the Day. He's already there. Of course. Oh. Of course. <laughs> Look, K Katie and Danny are on that shit. They know the good boys when they, they know the good boys and the good girls when they see them. <laughs> They're on that shit. Oh, man. Oh. Uh, you want to know something that I notice? I don't know if anybody else noticed this. Um, so, when we see older Kaito, a.k.a. Justin, you know he has those his suspenders, right? That he wears? Yeah. My brain, because I didn't catch this the first time, because obviously the whole twist was like, holy shit, he's a seeing eye dog. So, the suspenders to, like, kind of equate to Kaito's harness? Visually? Like, his harness for, um, the handle that um, uh, Ray's dad uses to like hold on to Kaito in order to like for Kaito to do his job and guide him around. Yeah, see, that makes way more sense because my original theory was that he was supposed to have like later hosen like the Germans wear. I was gonna say, was like, before oh, we were, is he German shepherd? Before or? we record this episode, you thought he was a German shepherd. I was like, what? <laughs> he looks more like a golden retriever, <laughs> Noah. <laughs> he does, he does. Which, the, so your your theory on the harness being the, the suspenders makes way more sense. Hell yeah. I mean, what were they going to do? Put him all in, like, mustard yellow? Were we making him Colonel Mustard? Oh, God, no. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Colonel Mustard. <laughs> Older Kaito in the Konohanate. No, in the public bath. <laughs> with the later hose in. I don't know. Okay, when you said Colonel Mustard, oh. I heard Colonel Mustang, and I'm like, oh, wait, are we turning ah! this? Are we turning this <laughs> that he is, he is a lieutenant in the tiny miniskirt army? Yes! Uh. <laughs> yes! Shit, I love it. 
I love dogs. I love dogs. <laughs> the man is a man of taste. He is a man of taste. He loves dogs. He no, loves the miniskirts. He loves dogs, miniskirts, and genocide. Oh, oh no. Way. No. Uh, I'm just saying, don't give Colonel Mustang too much credit. That doesn't mean he's okay. War. <laughs> okay. <laughs> spoiler for Full Metal Alchemist. What spoilers? That is not a spoiler. He's a war. Okay, we, we don't. Shows there's not enough time old. in the there's day, Mr. No more spoilers anymore. Shows almost 20 years old. Oh, the original is fuck. <laughs> Brotherhood's <laughs> like over 10 years old now. Fuck. Lord. You feel old yet? Shambhala still yes. sucks. Moving on. <laughs> Oh, shit. I think we can agree this was a good family episode. And like you said, they, they tie together really well as two halves of the story that you don't realize were two halves of the same story until the very end. Yeah. And I, I really like that. Like every episode has a moral to it. Uh, usually uh, Yuzu says the moral of the episode. And this one, uh, this episode eight was uh, no matter how pressing, never run away from your problems. Yep. And that's something that all three of the characters eventually got over. Yeah, so yeah basically. It, it, it fits on multiple levels. Heck yeah, does. Anything else, or are we moving on, Jamal? I think we're good, because I think everybody echoed each other's sentiment at this point. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very good episode. Kai does a good pupper. That's it. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I'll, 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 sorry, I'll end on one final thing. I want to give big props to our writer. I want to give uh, Deborah Kane big props here. This one line. I may have pulled her tail, but she wasn't pulling my leg. Oh, yeah. That was a good line. Um, that was from Ray, I think. That was from Ray. That was a good line. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Right, so... Again, to the last of our one-offs, save for one character in the main section. We have the goddess Awanami, the doll Lily, a Kenzoku by the name of Yanagi, and the goddess she serves, Inami. Awanami is a high-ranking goddess, daughter of Izanami Izanagi, drops by the Konohanate Unexpected. We come to find out that uh, she's about to approach the uh, rebirth. You know, goddesses are immortal. They can't die. They can only be reborn. So uh, she... <laughs> she's the goddess of bubbles, bubbles to help with context. So, bubbles. yeah. So she had, so she's in the spark getting scrubbed by red. And then after a while, she ends up turning into scrubbing bubbles. <laughs> <to which>, uh... <laughs> Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean. <laughs> <laughs> I say that and I cut my hair today, but uh, uh <laughs> Timing <laughs> That's yeah. timing though. Oh man. Yeah, so it's up to the crew to put it back together. Uh Lily's a doll that was discarded by accident. Uh, she's uh saved in, she's saved by uh, Okiku who pretty much tries to convince her that uh, humans don't need her anymore and Lily tells her that all these scars and chips she's endured is basically precious memories from when she was played with as a child. As a as a child approaches adulthood, that pretty much ends the life cycle, basically. Which that episode was kind of sad. And, uh, no, yeah. That, that was up there with the brave little toaster in terms of sad things getting thrown away. That episode was also kind of awkward for reasons, but uh, the show is 
charming and awkward in many ways, but yeah. Uh, I, w- I was watching that episode. My dad walked in on that. Watching Sarah We Did Have Cried. Oh. He was like, what the fuck is going on oh. here? <laughs> I, I'm sure in his head he was like, small purple haired crying for Japanese doll. What? What? What is this? Son, what is this yeah. nonsense? Uh, at least it wasn't Among Us on YouTube he saw, so. How would that be less awkward? Well, yeah. it depends on who's Don't playing ask. it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we I gotta say, we also have. Us. God damn it! Shut up. Anyway, we also have Yanagi Kenzoku, a wish granter, basically who grants other people's wishes. It's kind of berating to use you when she accidentally comes into this world. Uh, it turns out Yuzu ended up getting lost at the end of episode 12. As she As does. As she does every uh, fucking like episode. Hey, it happens. Who can, from at the, least this time she didn't get so close to fucking hell again. So I guess a little she, bit no, of progress. No but, no, but she went back in time through the toy gates somehow. But I mean, at least she didn't almost cross the river Styx or get whisked away by fucking ghosts or... What was the other thing? Turned into a tree. Turned into a tree. Uh, well, these two out of three of those, Christopher McGuire rescued her. So, anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we also have the goddess Yanagi serves at Inari. <laughs> I'll be honest, she, see, she comes off to me like kind of lazy because she hears this idea of the Kona Hayate, only for you, the viewer, to discover that it does not exist in this world. It's just an idea that was. Perpetuated by Yuzu, but more on that later. Hence the time oh. travel. Hence the time travel. But she becomes intrigued <laughs> to the point <laughs> to the point that like she does nothing else but think about the corner hot today. Yeah, she's like a hot spring. We should make a she hot becomes- spring, and then there's and there's another person we're talking about shortly. And then it and they're just the, and they're just like, why do you no? Why are we doing a hot spring? <laughs> Also, like... Bitch, why? So, so is Yuzu a paradox? It's basically... I guess guess if I was to put it this way, I would think maybe Yuzu's kind of like the Doctor from Doctor Who, in a sense. Yuzu is a Time Lord! (laughs) Theory confirmed! Don't act like you can't hear Yuzu's actress saying the phrase wibbly-wobbly-timey-wimey. Now I want it now. Fuck. <laughs> Hang on, let me make a phone call really quickly. I gotta get oh, this. Oh no. Please let me know how that turns <laughs> out, bud. <laughs> I'm just hoping for voice commissions to get but play these four. <sighs> I would not be played by Natalie Rose. Lily's played by Rachel Michelle Thompson. Yadagi's played by Michelle Rojas. And Yadagi is played by Alexis Tipton. Natalie Rose, you've heard, also heard as Syrup and both of me. So you never mind in Dagobah 2 and Dagobah 3 the anime. The goodest of turtle syrup. I'm sorry. <laughs> Zero context. Zero. She voiced a turtle. That's all you need to know. Oh, oh, oh! Was it Leonardo? Sure. Oh, yes. <laughs> I guess. I bet it was Leonardo. <laughs> And Yakushakure and how heavy the dumbbells he lived. Rachel Michelle Thompson, you find this Chika Hattori in the Ancient Magus Bride, Lilac in recovery of an MMO junkie, and Colette in conception. Sorry, I thought you called for me for a second. I'm like, wait, hold on. 
I heard Lila, and I'm like, I looked up my head, I'm like, huh? <laughs> nah, I just Have call you, you Steph at that point. I so. know. I was like, wait, you never call me Lila. <laughs> you call you usually only call me Steph. I'm like, hang on, what happened? Have you not seen Confessions of an MMO Junkie? It's Recovery of an MMO Junkie, and no. <laughs> I have not. That as well. I think you'd like it. I'd highly recommend watching I keep it. Being it's told, short and I sweet. I keep being told I would, and Andrew's like, you, we need to get you to watch it sometime. We really You two do. in particular. Yeah, there's a reason why you two in particular would like it. Any, I'm sorry, anyway, you Yanagi? I think that, yeah, yeah, Michelle Rojas, she's also voiced Tokoyada in Assassination Classroom. Tokamiyashita and Boogie Pop and Boogie Pop and others, Yay. and because it's just me, Tokayada got me a day in life. Yay, Boogie Pop. Alexis Tipton, you also heard this Iris in Fire Force, Gina Boyd and how heavy the dumbbells you lift, and Fennec Fox and Kimono Friends. Oh. Oh yeah, Fennec Fox. That idiot. <laughs> oh no, no, that's not Fennec Fox. That's fucking, um... That's Maddie's character who's the freaking pain in the ass. Yeah, the raccoon. Thank you, yes. Fennec Fox is just like, the fuck you doing? <laughs> That's what it we is. We never did get an answer to how heavy the dumbbells were that she lifts. I was waiting for that answer the whole a show. considerable amount. Fair enough. So, you ever just crash your bud's place and decide, I'm gonna die and be reborn and <laughs> fuck with her employees? <laughs> Once or twice, I guess. I'm saying, like, Everybody's done wanted to do it once. Like, poor once. Red must have trauma now. Oh, because all, <laughs> dream all Ren dreams of is serving one of the gods and then fucking Awanami's coming in fucking your shit up. Kiri just pulls her aside. Look at that poor lesbian. She has trauma now. How dare you? <laughs> But yeah, uh, Natalie is nice and soft-spoken. Nice and soft-spoken, very sultry, very, I'd almost say hazy, and yes, bubbly. God damn it. Duh. No, yeah, like, I I it's, the Natalie's voice, it's certainly much lower registered than what you normally hear from her. Because mm -hmm. Natalie, we talked about Macy Ann Johnson having, like, using a higher pitch most times. That's more Natalie's wheelhouse. <laughs> like, Natalie's voice is usually pretty up there, given the characters, and very breathy as well. But her tone of voice and the breathy quality that she usually has in her, in her voice, I think actually gives Awanami this kind of, this adds a little bit like a mystical kind of, um, not necessarily ambience. regal. Yeah, like an ambiance to her. Like, gives her a bit more presence. And, like, you like you can tell, like, this is an otherworldly being that, like, this is a god, basically. And that just works so freaking well, honestly. And I kind of yeah. wish we got lower tone Natalie more often than we do. I'll, I'll say it. Yeah. It, it's kind of, it, yeah, it is kind of weird that it's like, it's not her usual light and airy voice. Right. It's kind of, kind of deep and chocolatey, if you will. Like, it, it is. Like, like she's Shock. really putting some Shock focus into lady? this. Yeah, I would at least say, know, low and rich. I was going to say, like, velvety. I, I've heard of, but like, chocolatey? Oh. 
Velvet isn't a lawyer's yes. thing. I was gonna say you wouldn't want to sink your teeth in that. You'll have like your your mouth will taste like bubbles for days. <laughs> your mouth will taste like soap, and nobody wants to eat soap. <laughs> Hey, no, no, hey, Ra- hey uh, Ralphie had a chance to put his mouth on that soap. I think he would be swearing a lot more often. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Ow. That is Ow. Wild. Someone got hurt. Uh, just throwing out all oh. the 80s movie references tonight. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys, too. Natalie's uh, portrayal of this is exactly what the character needed. I can't remember what the Japanese uh, Awanami voice was like, but I believe it was pretty similar to this. I'm going to so guess very... Exam- I'm going to guess very Ara Ara. Ara Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because a, a lot of the gods in this show, and there's a couple of gods that show up in two episodes later, that uh, God's Day Off episode, yeah. where uh, they're uh, clearly supposed to be... Um, either trans or cross-dressers. I'm not sure which one the show's going for. But all the gods in the show are very flawed and very, like, they're either lazy or full of themselves. So, yeah, it's kind of nice that uh, Natalie gets to portray the sultrier, more full-of-herself kind of uh, god. Also, because we're not going to be talking about him, I just want to shout out uh, Bill Jenkins, like, retired war god. Yeah! That's playing around with little Sakura. (laughs) I love him! It is, like, the cutest thing in the world. Precious. Oh, and side note, because Noah brought up those two gods, Randy Pome and David Warner, hilarious. Yes, they were so good. I loved it. Oh, they they, they play the gods like like old queens. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, they are just queens. Yes, queen. Hell yeah. Let's go. <laughs> no, I had to walk out of the room, didn't he? Was that Noah that walked out of the room? Well, that could also be our neighbors stomping around, too. No, Jamal's right. I had to give kids a banana. Oh. <laughs> wanna bo- they want a banana. Banana is perfect. Yes, they are. Banana. Speaking of who else is perfect, Lily is a heartbreaking character. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. No, this... Yeah. I actually kind of okay. like the fact that it's like... Oh, she doesn't want to hide her blemishes right. and her wear and tear because that was proof that she lived and she was loved. Yeah. And that's, again, that ties into the, the theme of that episode because that's the same episode with the um, the the gods who are played as old queens where their mentality is that, you know, they're kind of lamenting for the good old days when people would visit their shrines more often. Yeah. and but But they still cherish the memories of it just in the same way that Lily, despite being accidentally... We find out accidentally discarded by her girl, not on purpose. She still cherishes the time that they spent. And Rachel, like, absolutely pulls out the heartstrings there. Like, no mercy. All of the heart punches right there. Yeah, I have to correct you there a little bit. She was accidentally discarded. The girl's mother discarded her. Yep. Yeah. She only found out after the fact, which was why she was kind of frantically searching for her. Yeah. So. She did get a boyfriend, though. Also, hi, Jeremy. <laughs> also, hi, <Yeah>. Jeremy. <laughs> hi, Jeremy. Um, I don't know who I don't know who played her boyfriend. But oh the, yeah, okay. The, uh, the, su- the subtitles on there said, uh, like his all his dialogue is boyfriend A says blind so and so, which implies that she's got boyfriends B through Z somewhere else. So. <laughs> no. Wow. <laughs> Oh my god! What can we say? She really likes her boy toys. Ooh. Oh god, that hurt. 
Sorry, did you guys have other stuff to say about Rachel's acting? I mean, I think... She's good! I'm just going to walk away (laughs) while I feel that disappointment in the air. Yeah, that disappointing stare, because I'm staring with daggers right now. He feels... He just feels so Uh, proud of himself right now. It's... it's Stephanie, stare down your boyfriend, A, and make him feel the guilt. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. No, weirdly enough, I think... Out of a rather solid dub, Rachel was a little iffy to me at first. But, like, I don't know. It was... It was a different tone than I was expecting for Lily. But then, like, processing it now more after the fact, Lily is... Like, Rachel makes Lily sound much more doll-like than the other main doll in the damn show. Oh yeah, she sounds more doll-like right. than Okiku. Yeah, more doll-like than Sarah's um, Okiku. Which, putting it in that perspective, makes a lot more sense. And, I mean, I also really enjoyed that part of the episode, too. Because, like, I have much... I think I have a bigger appreciation for it the second time around. Because, like... So, my grandparents recently sold the house, right? Because my grandmother is yeah. currently living with my mom. And my mom went up to go through things in the house, get things packed up, all that fun stuff. And I had to go and keep an eye on my grandmother in North Carolina for her at the time. When we, when it was the day that I went back and my mom came back to North Carolina, we saw each other at the airport just as we were like, we kind of crossed paths. She had a couple things for me. One of them was an old doll that I had when I was a little girl. Aww. And like, I call her, her I, I've always called her um, Blue Dolly is her name. And mm-hmm. um, like, she's a little bit worn. Some of her stuffing is gone. She has holes in her. She's a little bit like dirty and everything like that. I hadn't seen this doll in years. And it's just like, and somebody God damn it. <laughs> Not again. But no, it's. Like, I have a lot, like, I I think the whole storyline with Lily kind of, like, hit me in a different way after I I got my doll back. I'm like, okay, yeah, hmm. Like, I appreciate that, and I think, despite my original misgivings of how Rachel portrayed it, like, thinking, again, a perspective of, this is a freaking doll. (laughs) Yeah. Like... I think it, but it's a doll I, that was loved, which may explain why it was allowed to cross over into this spirit dimension. I mean, yes. Plus, no, I'm just saying the tone of voice that, and performance that Rachel yeah. gives. Oh, okay. It's like, I, it's I, a doll, Stephanie. That's yeah. the whole fucking point. Plus, the way, plus, plus the way I think about it is, you gotta keep in mind, Okiku was like, Crafted by the finest craftsman in Japan, so it's on the higher end as such. as kind of has a little high maintenance kind of personality. Because right. at one point they thought the doll was possessed, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it kind of is. Whereas Lily's probably something like your typical, normal, like plastic kind of doll, but she was loved in very such a way that, like, even if there were, like, many of her, you know, this is Lily and no one can take her away from her owner. Right. It's two completely different circumstances. Yeah. Um, and two different upbringings, essentially, between the two, so. Basically. 
But yeah, that's a. I think that's a good lesson, actually. The idea that you should cherish the all the good and the bad times because at the end of the day, that's all you have. Sometimes are your memories. Yeah, I, I think Rachel did a very good job capturing that. It's kind of it's kind of funny that uh, this has been a hot mess since I talked about because I last I talked about it was actually MMO Junkie. That was. Again, when the election all came out, I that think was this a is long the time first ago. time I've ever talked about her, maybe. It's the first time you ever talked about her. I think maybe the second time you ever heard her. So, uh, well, I haven't watched MMO Junkie, remember? No, but you did watch both of me. Remember that mission where Maple was helping out mother and daughter? She's the daughter. Oh! oh cool. Gotcha! I was like, wait, who is she in Bofurit? How did that escape me? Oh god, now that think, quest was insane. Now you think my that daughter was also possessed. <laughs> oh, the daughter was so fucking possessed. It all ties together. Oh, Holy shit. Ties together even like three, four years later. Yep. Anyway. So, uh, we want to talk talk about Yanagi. Yanagi. So, this is uh, this is an interesting episode because uh, Yuzu gets kidnapped. It's not that she gets kidnapped. She kind of just wanders in. And she wanders into the Fox time travel dimension and gets roped along because it's like, oh, you're one of us, right? Get in. And then she wasn't. No, that, and then she almost. That's discrimination. It's discrimination. Oh, you've got Fox ears. You must be one of us. Yeah, pretty much. But no, I, I, okay, I'll, I'll make this brief because I think Michelle did a really good job too. Because she has to be like very no nonsense because their their job is really stressful, especially around the New Year's holiday. Oh, yeah. Um but but we get to hear all the shades of Yanagi's uh both her serious business sense and then her empathetic like like Yuzu cracks her shell basically by the end of the episode. And we find out what that does actually at the very, very end of the episode, which I don't know, Jamal, if you want me to spoil that or not. We'll save that for the next section. Yeah. Okay, let's do that. And then uh like you were saying before, Jamal uh, Inari's just kind of a lazy goddess, which honestly, if you had all the powers of a god, wouldn't you be that way a little bit? So, Ale I like that Alexis gets to play up the character as, uh, uh, not slovenly, but just someone who gets easily distracted, you know? It's like, okay, we've, we've got this, we've got this group project, okay? It's due on Friday, and it's Thursday afternoon, but uh, Inari's just like, I want to build a hot spring instead. Yeah. You had to mention group projects, didn't you? <laughs> no. I don't know what you're getting at. Oh, the usual group project nonsense from high school, mm -hmm. probably. Um, I okay. will say I actually don't really have any notes for Michelle, in all honesty. Um, probably mostly because there's another counterpart that kind of overshadows her a little bit, and for good reason. Yeah. Um... But I did like Michelle. She was good. I liked her as Yanagi. Alexis, I like that they... In, because Inari is seen as a goddess, like, I think it's actually appropriate that we're talking about both Inari and Owanami. Um, the whole airy, breathy quality and kind of like this mystique is also a prevalent quality that is in Alexis's performance as Inari. So it kind of gives, it kind of gives a consistency with what the gods and goddesses 
are like and how they could sound. So I kind of really like that consistency between both Natalie and Alexis. Um, or at least the goddesses who have shrines devoted correct. to them. Like, I don't think the, yeah. the the war god character, I don't think he was... The uh, war god probably devoted, so. used to have one, but... Because the, there, there was a point made in the last episode, too, by another character that um, the shrine that she was serving at was destroyed. So I, it's possible mm, that, like, right. the war gods... The war god could have had a shrine, but it could have been destroyed. Because he's, be, he's basically retired at this point. <laughs> Yeah, cause yeah, cause they said that with the war gods, because the war they made war prevalent wars, like the war they made ongoing wars, like he didn't really have nothing to do. Right. That's why he became Sakura's regular. Mm -hmm. so. But I, I, I do like that the tone that the tone and the personality is probably the right way to describe it. Um, with Alexis Tipton is pretty consistent with other goddess characters like Natalie's Awanami. Um, and then when Alexis is all about that hot spring, it's also a fun time. <laughs> She's like, but a hot spring, we should build one right now. And then fucking Yanagi and everybody else is like, why? What, what is the point? I just, we I have shit out. to Andrew's, do. Andrew's going to get this. It, it's like when an artist has a deadline and they spend all the time making gyoza instead. Yeah. Ah, I got that. <laughs> let's talk about the foxes. Yes, let's. Oh, let's talk about Big Boss Fox. Oh, Big Boss Fox and spoiler. Big Foxy Lady. Yes. <laughs> Big Foxy Lady right. who looks even more foxy when she puts the makeup on. But let's face it, yeah. you're here for big, big wolf energy. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I heard all of your foxy, foxy comments. <laughs> I get it. I get it, Andrew. You want to do the fox women. You're into the fox women, not the fox girls. Listen, I'm the get one it. who made the foxy it's, joke. It's not like I'm judging or anything. It's just, you know, I'm keeping a record. <laughs> Gotta keep a record for later for, for more instances, right? It's called blackmail. <laughs> no, it, no, it, it's called. No, it's called blackmail would be me. <laughs> All right, so you have stuff to say about uh, who voices these characters? Well, we didn't even right, quite so. introduce them, so. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we gotta well, talk about the side. boss, this foxy lady, well, and the spoiler. Well, we're, gonna side bot. we're gonna side bot that part, so. Uh... <laughs> Spoiler. So yeah, let's talk about these two. Uh, we have a uh, Subaki, another Kenzoku. Uh, the thing about her is she kind of mistakenly brings Yuzu to this foxhole in time and space. Whoops. Uh, back to the I guess the shrine because <laughs> she mistakes her for another Kenzoku, and it turns out you hit, find out through a backstory she's been bounced from shrine to shrine, and her last one was destroyed in a in a mudslide. Which is weird because we're also talking about, okay, yes, the the anime plan and other sources called her Okabe, but the dub she's called Yababa for some reason. That's so weird. Well, the well, papai, well, actually no, she's referred to more as the boss though. This is like the caption refers to her as Yababa, the credits refer to her as proprietress in Japanese, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but she's basically the older 
as of the Kota Hadate matches the staff she's and the boss lady. Too. Yeah, I she said as I drink boss my Dumb Talk Boss Lady mug. Thank you, Hardy, for this years later. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she runs and lives at the Kota Hadate and uh, she reminisces about old times in the past to what she encountered a little fox girl in the Red Hood. Huh, I wonder if she, I've seen that before. Yep. That's a good question. It's also... Spoilers! Spoilers! But we... You come to find out, you come to find out, if you, if you manage to pick up a... uh, You come to find out, these two are actually the same person. Yep, Tsubaki is the younger boss lady. You just M. Night Shyamalan'd my ass, Batman! (laughs) Pretty much. What did you... You just call me Batman! (laughs) So, I called you crazy, Joe. Now so, we can call so, you Batman. So, bottom line, they were doing spring cleaning. Uh, Yuzu finds a really weird scroll with a seal on it. The boss is like, eh, you can throw it out, but Yuzu keeps it. Turns out that scroll is how she got into the fucking shrine and the, the whole nonsense in the first place. And she was mistaken by Subaki because she had that scroll brought in and then... It comes full circle. <laughs> yeah, because Subaki's like, you... one of these... Because, turns out, Yuzu wrote a wish in the scroll for a home for Subaki. And in return, Subaki wishes that the girl will always find her way home. Yes. Which is sealed in a little Foxfire logo that you kind of see on top of the Okami's head mm-hmm. in earlier mm-hmm. episodes. Yep. So it all comes together. It all, it all comes, comes full, full circle. circle. And then, if I write the place where the whole shrine area, it sounds to me like that eventually is what becomes Konohanate. Because Inari was, like, like, wanting to build a hot spring, like, right fucking there. I mean, they could... It's not really established if that's the exact location. It's definitely it's, in the same realm. I think it's implied at least, but it's not confirmed. The architecture looks similar. Yeah, it's, I think it's part possibly implied that that is where Konohanate eventually resides. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think they don't fully outright say it or confirm it within the I mean, within the last be. three minutes of the damn show. Yeah, that's not the, the significance of it is that. Yes, Uzu unintentionally gives them the idea to create the hot spring. She's a paradox. A paradox. Well, let's let's put it this way. She may be a paradox, but if she didn't travel back in time in the first place, Konohanate would never have existed. That is literally the exact definition of a paradox. You just explained the concept <laughs> of a paradox. But wait, 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 hold on. Is she a paradox or a parafox? Shut up. Oh, I'm like, get out of here. Introduce these fuck characters. Off. Now, now I am staring at my computer screen in disappointment at Noah. <laughs> I can feel the daggers all the way through the internet. <laughs> yes, but enough about pair of foxes. Let's talk about a pair of these foxes. Oh my this foxy lady. I'm just voicing, voicing these foxes. Subaki's voice. Ah, Subaki. Subaki's voiced by Janelle Lutz. Thank you, show. And Okabe's voiced by Linda. Linda uh, and Okabe's voiced by Linda Leonard. Janelle Lutz, you've also heard this Angelica Varley, the ancient Magus brag. Dominique St. Pierre, the legend of the Galactic Hills, the Noe Tese, and Cora in the Morose Mononokian. 
The Deleted you fought to her sponsor, Maria the Virgin Witch. She's you record the auto turbine, sounds of life. And causes her attack a toy is shown and made. I love Linda Leonard. Yeah. I love when Linda Leonard does things. She's so wonderful and precious. I gotta look it up now, because I'm not I, I didn't recognize any of the roles you listed, so I gotta see what else she's um, done. Carry on. God, what else has fucking Linda Leonard done? I'm, pu- I'm pulling up the encyclopedia. She's that fruit basket that enables Akito. Oh! <laughs> That's also true. Um, God. She, Linda has done quite a few things, and she's... Yeah. Linda, well, Linda a- always has this grandmotherly maternal voice to her. So nine times out of ten, she's voicing, like, grandmotherly maternal figures. Sometimes the ones that aren't that good though um this is different like okami is not like a like a mother or a grandmother kind of figure she's just Mm -hmm. the boss (laughs) like she's in charge of the place and she's running a business and she's the okami is just no nonsense no nonsense no bullshit she's all about like making sure clients are leave happy and they're good. Though she will defend Mm -hmm. her staff if someone's being a bit handsy. Oh yeah, screw that guy. The guy with the upside down face. Yes. Screw that fucker. It's like, bro, you don't touch Ren in the tush. That is not how this works. That is sexual harassment, sir. That ass belongs to Natsume and Natsume exclusively. Also true. <laughs> no, but it's it's different. It's a different kind of Linda Leonard that I'm normally used to because Linda's normally typecast as the mother or the like a mother or grandmother kind of figure. Um, mm-hmm. So I really loved her for sure. Now I have to look this up because no, what else have you found if you've ha- look if you've looked her up at this point? It's 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 gone very slow. Give me a second. Okay. But while I'm looking while I'm looking Here, that help. up, I, I do. I'll look it up for you. I, I do want to point out that um, I like the fact that the uh, the English cast the, the English dub decided to go with a uh, different voice from what I was kind of expecting, which was the Ubaba voice from Spirited Away. Yeah. Which is you know that that older, rasp, craggleier kind of voice. Whereas uh, this Yubaba is, uh, yeah, is much more business-minded and much less conniving because she's got a much pure spirit to her. She's obviously been aged by the, the years of time and um, partially it feels like by the lack of activity in the hotel because it's kind of implied that, you know, there's less activity than there was in the good old days. But she still takes pride in what they can bring nowadays. So, yeah, I like that they gave... Uh, they they told Linda to give them a, a different, an intentionally different portrayal of the same type of character. No, oh, yeah. Okay, I'm looking through. Oh, right, okay. So... Noah, have you seen Psychopaths? Uh, are you going to kill me if I said I haven't? I'm not going to kill you, but it kind of doesn't help. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, cause she is, um, in Psychopaths, for those who watch it, she's Joshu Kase, who is in charge of, like, the, um, she's the head bitch in charge of, like, the enforcers and the police and that shit, if y'all remember mm-hmm. that. Um, she, 
She's had smaller roles too, like she was Chisei's aunt in Agent, Agent Magus Bride. She. Mm-hmm. That was a not very nice <gasps> character. No, have you watched Death Parade? Yes. Do you remember the old lady Sachiko, oh, who's yes. the author? Yes. I I only remember about half of the vignettes from Death Parade. There was a children's book author in I'm Death sure Parade, was. and you come to find out that she's also the author of the book that Jamie's character really loves. Hmm. So she's. It's from episode ten. Um. I'm. I'm a- I can I can envision it in my head, like uh, imagining what that kind of show was like. And I'm like, I'm sure I did see that. It's just not ringing a bell. Right no, yeah, because that thing is also episodic as all hell. Um, bu- yeah. bu- 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 I like big boss well, let's lady. Talk, yeah, let's talk about Linda some more. Yeah, yeah. You like boss lady? She's tough, cool, really like. You could tell that she is very serious about this place. She's very serious about the well-being of her of her clientele and her employees alike. She is no nonsense, no bullshit, and will do what's gotta get done, and I respect the hell out of that. I also just... What a good gag with the makeup. Yes! Like, that's just such a good... (laughs) Because I was honestly kind of wondering, what's the difference between those who are just pretty human people humanoids and like full-on furries and the difference is literally makeup age just and makeup no yeah, it was a basically. funny bit because fucking red and dots may are like how how did you do that how did you do it and well first i put like, on some powder and then and, all of a sudden it's like what? And, then, and then she's a human person is like and then next it's like what the you just powder yourself and, and then you're yeah, it's like Because yeah. the episode before that, she's mistaken as another hotel guest when she's hanging out with the um, two entertainment gods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, by the way, who are you? It's like, oh, I'm your boss. It's like, you didn't, you didn't fucking know that? <laughs> like, that's just a good gag. But Linda does a good job. I also like Janelle as uh, Subaki, a.k.a. baby her. Yeah. Yeah, good. basically. It adds a fun, different tone and dynamic to the casting and considering like the whole the whole point of it is you're not supposed to know that Subaki is in fact Okami by the end of the mm-hmm. show like having at least a tone that is similar to Linda's the personality but, but is reminiscent the personality is reminiscent yeah. but having at least a Person- tone that is similar to Linda's but younger I think Janelle like nails it yeah, I yeah, I think that was basically the intent. No, yeah, one hundred percent. Because I, cause I, well, I saw the, I didn't watch the Japanese, of course, but I did see that uh, they actually in the Japanese credits they're played by the same actress. Mm. Okay, and they could have done that in English, you know. They, they I, I, I less think subtle about it. They probably could have, I, I but think, I don't know yeah. if Linda is capable of doing a more younger sounding voice. No, if I had to I guess, tell. I, I think. I think they kind of went along with the same spectrum with Janelle, you know, like no, yeah. Janelle will have a more youthful energy, whereas Linda is, uh, has a world weary kind of voice. Yeah. So, uh, so the t- like the tones are similar, but Janelle makes it much y- uh, makes it younger sounding, and it's convincing, I think. But I don't think that would really come into play until the last episode, right. where of course, or of course, uh, Linda Linda puts on the makeup. Oh no, you know? yeah. 
Like, you don't... Like, I completely forgot that these were the same fucking person. And it's like... You're going through the show for the first time, you probably won't put two and two together. That no, that no. Okami with the makeup on is, in fact, an older Subaki. Like, you... It's... Yeah, they don't even have like a, 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 an inkling of a like in the very first episode when Yuzu first meets Okami when she's first brought to the hotel. There's not like even an inkling from Okami like uh, you remind me of someone. No, I knew a long no, 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 time no, no. Ago. That part was kept like so well hidden throughout the whole fucking show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you gotta remember it's been God knows how many years it has for her. Plus, you're not even introduced to Sabaki till episode twelve. So no, yeah, it's. You're not, like, Okami reminisces herself that it was, a, like, when Yuzu comes back and says that she's happy yeah. to be home. Because Yuzu now knows, at this stage, who Okami actually is, I think. Um, it, I, I don't think she entirely knows, but I think no. what, but what kind of what, what clues Okami in a little bit, which is why it was so well hidden, was that red hood. No, yeah. Right, which she did not have. Which she did not uh, have. Uzu did not have until that yeah. episode. Yeah, exactly. So when Okami starts reminiscing, is like, I, I, like, all of a sudden, this memory of this young little fox girl in a red hook kind of just comes back to her out of nowhere because of Yuzu. So it's very interesting. It's a very interesting connection. And I kind of like the follow through on it, honestly. So yeah, they, these both, both actresses played both halves of the foxy boss lady perfectly yeah. well and it, it was a well hidden enough plot line for okami's character as well yeah yeah basically andrew you said that? your piece yes I, i'm ready to talk about the um okay other boss ladies of the hotel. okay we're not on the lesbians yet okay <laughs> we'll get there uh she might be. I mean the overt lesbian. Let's be real. She's like 50 to 60 years plus. She's dabbled. Listen, Kiri is <laughs> at least yeah. bi. Kiri's at Sensitive way to Kiri is this bare bullshit. minimum bi. Okay, here's what? the thing. Like, every time I think Natsume asks her age, she just kind of changes the conversation. So Yeah. <laughs> plus, it's like, ah, oh, yes, what wonderful flowers. Hey, did you hear me? Ah, oh, we should go inside and get ready for our next guests. Not to make read you, the room. Ma- go make some memories. Not to make read yeah. the room, you dingus. <laughs> I love you, but goddamn. <laughs> so, yeah. so, which possible partial lesbian are we talking about, Jamal? Well, speaking of reading the room, we have uh, <laughs> Kiri, head manager and pervert of the Kodahada tape. Yes, she I wouldn't is. say pervert, just troll. Oh, she is. No. That's the first thing she does. She strips down Yuzu and says, "My, my, these are awfully big for she, such a little she's... fox." Don't forget, don't forget the episode with the ghost. What the two carries she's like, tell you me? Know, uh, yeah, How do we tell the difference? Myself. I like this. The, the thought that strip searching myself and searching every inch of my naked body is quite titillating. Yes. Listen, I think that Kiri is more she, of a troll than anything. She loves messing Sa- people. After that sentence, Satsuki called her an egotistical pervert. Also true, but I think Kiri is more of a troll still. Can't she be both? Uh, Can't she be both? You know both? who's really a troll? Yeah, the why other not girl both? In the section. Oh, Satsuki. 
No, 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 wait. Sakura. Sakura no, Sakura. no. The, I, I get their girl. names so mixed up. It bugs the shit out of me in this show. Um, I, I don't think Sakura's a bit of a troll. She's the quiet type, but... Uh, Those what, scissors I, ain't full of nobody. If anything, Sakura's just a mischievous and curious little girl. Yeah, mischievous little fox girl. Doesn't really quite know what to do with stuff. Hey. It's, it's funny. I think she, she's good. she looks to be... Working in multiple ports, the other time she's just goofing around. I'm just wondering exactly what to do this, because to me, I kind of get this special needs vibe from her a little, but... Really? Yeah, because you don't really... You don't really see what Sakura's up to, nor does she say much. But when you do, like, she just has a little fun with the things that go on in life. Like, there was that time when uh, she and Yuzu were in the pod and... She was just blowing whistles with her leaves, and Yuzu blows the big ones. Like, I don't know. I guess she's free spirited, basically. I, I think so too. I mean, it. Uh, I believe the intention was that she uh, she is the comforting soul that uh, older guests come to see. Yeah. Not because they're perverts, but because they they enjoy seeing that youthful, carefree energy in a character. That, that's like, why that's the specifically war, why the war the, god. Yeah. The war god comes in and it's like it, he's. <laughs> Now, it, it, it made me think something wrong at the beginning when someone no. said, uh, he's one of Sakura's regular clients, no. and I'm like... It, why? Why would you do like, that? Oh, thank God. No. Because, no, why? Because, this is a classy because, establishment, because, thank you. It is a very classy establishment. Yeah, right. yeah, it is owned by Andrew, so... Uh. But, but it's... I'm sorry, what? It is also... <laughs> You said like classy, classy organization. Fucking. <laughs> oh, you bitch. Well, well to, Jamal's, to Jamal's point, like, I also didn't quite know what her job was uh, throughout most of the show, aside from terrifying Okiku. So, yeah, it was, it was kind of nice to have in that one episode, which was, if I remember correctly, the second to last episode, kind of get an idea about what, what she actually brings to the team. Right. Sakura's a precious being. So who plays them? Yes, Kiri's played by Morgan LeRae, and Sakura's played by other director, Jade Saxton. Uh, Morgan LeRae, you've also heard as Meg Kataoka in Assassination Classroom, Ayame Shaga in Bento, and Kari Kazaki in the Certain Magical Index franchise. Jade Saxton, you've also heard as Noda in Death Parade, Kana in Fairy Tale, and Kana in Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. That is a very similar character to Sakura. Who also serves a very similar function. Kinda, I yeah. haven't watched Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Don't don't at me. She's the little purple haired girl. I know which one Kana is. She is I just adorable. Haven't watched. She's the, the show. meme character. No, uh, I want to talk about uh, Morgan as Kiri though, because I I adore how much how she's like a sweet, caring in caretaker, but also just that she is just kind of a bit of a dick. Again, <laughs> Kiri is a fucking troll. Oh no, she's absolutely a troll, and it's delightful. You can, t I adore every time she messes with uh, Sasuke. Oh, it's, it's the best. That's some of my favorite stuff. Yeah, and it's like, oh, the fact that she straight up punks her into thinking that Yuzu like kissed her to make her grow back to normal size, and it worked is mm. like that's how you know she's good at what she does. She knows exactly like how to get into your head. Oh, yeah. It's like Kiri is Satsuki's other big sister. Her surprisingly <laughs> less horny one. 
So yeah, surprisingly. <laughs> surprisingly. Not by much, but slightly. She's, slightly. she's not really trying to bang her friends, unlike her other sister. God damn it. Wow. Uh, Which I am well, of the a... I am of the thought process that Kiri and Sakura is like a but is like a big sis, little sister, or mother daughter kind of thing. I actually did lean more on mother daughter kind of thing. Maybe. Maybe, but uh, I think, but, I, 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 bare minimum, def, I get more of the sister. Well, well, she did say, she did say when they're in the room together that when I'm around you, I can, I'm free to be myself or let my hair down or something like yeah. that. That's true. They're snuggle buddies. They're snuggle buddies. Just... <laughs> yeah, and Morgan's portrayal of that is, is very fitting because she's older sounding than the other characters, but she's got a lot of immaturity that kind of counters what her role is supposed to be right and i didn't quite get like why is this girl the manager person and then we get to that episode where uh the next two characters we're going to talk about uh ren wants to be uh work with someone else for a bit and kiri just by the matter of complimenting her because she knows that what that's what ren wants to hear gets her to keep doing her job and that's like oh that that's how you do it she's the gym uh, from the office of this group oh okay are you saying Sakura is Pam? I'm not not saying it. <laughs> More research is needed to confirm or not. The fact that I know that and I barely watched Little The Office kind of terrifies me I haven't me watched The Office and even I know that one. <laughs> yeah. No, like, uh, that, I would... Yeah. I, I, I like it how it's interesting, though. You said, like, she... The tone of voice doesn't seem like an older like uh, however you described it but you well she's no no like her voice is older sounding but her delivery okay. is immature gotcha about to yeah, say because like got... the tone of voice it's like kiri is clearly older than a good amount of these characters but she can't be too old because you also have okami in here so plus, yeah plus the concept of time is skewed so uh... oh it's very skewed <laughs> i mean yeah like Morg is known for like playing like these kind of characters sometimes, yeah. but uh, Morgan I'd be also like, has you know, just... fun sometimes with yeah. I'd be like the roles. I'd be like the goofy, the goofy kind of trolling like sexy characters, but when every once in a while when you see him play like some type of mature character, even when they can be immature, she has fun with her. She can be you know look like I. I met her person. I'm, uh, yeah, she is quite. She can be quite that character sometimes. So, uh. <laughs> so you're saying is that she's not even acting here? They just put her in the booth. I just, I just, yourself. I just think she took a that. Well, I wouldn't exactly say be yourself, but uh, I do think she took a naturalistic kind of approach. And, yeah, you sounds know, like can, it. Can we just fit the bill pretty much? <laughs> Carrie's so much fun. Because she just likes to fuck with everybody. It's great. You know who took the exact opposite approach? Jade? Jade, which I can only describe her vocal direction is small. Not just the word small. S-M-O-L. Oh my god. Small bean. She is a small fox girl. Small bean. 
She is very good, small bean. She's small bean. It's so precious and adorable. And she just, I, it's like, she's she's a, a girl, a few words, but you yeah. can tell when she does speak, it is very soft-spoken and, like, true child-like curiosity. It's interesting that you just brought that up, because the majority of Jade's performance is, in fact, a lot of, like, reaction noises and kind of, like, breathy, like, huh? Mm-hmm. Huh? That's the majority yeah. of Jade's performance, or or little up. or little evil Snickers like <laughs> as she brandishes the scissors. The scissors. Oh. Yo, <laughs> really, babe. Very, Andrew just took I out a pair most... of my scissors just to prove his point. Just God damn. I think the most lines that she gets in like a row is um I think it's near the end of the show where she's like chasing after the uh spinning top that the god war made makes for her and she's like come back I think the most uh, words she had was actually in episode 2 2 yeah when two. she when Yuzu was working with her I think that's yeah. the most dialogue that Sokka had in the whole fucking Or, show. like, when she got her, yeah. th- got Kiri the little candy rabbit thing as a gift. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, that was cute. That was a rabbit? That was cute until they did that yeah. one shot where they both licked it, and it looked like it was Andrew melting, and I'm like, oh, okay. Andrew, Andrew, just stop Andrew, please, no. be careful. Stop please be careful. Be very careful what you're about to say. <laughs> I know what I'm saying is I'm just saying for a show that's like I know the show's pretty horny, but I thought that one was crass even for it. I, th- I feel like it, the first spot. couple episodes it didn't know how pure it wanted to be, right. so it, it accidentally slipped in a few extra horny bits for the audience. No, yeah, because it probably was. I feel like a good portion it, of the fan service was. The, the the show's attempt to try and gain a certain audience, of course. But when you, mm-hmm. it, like, it, once you, it's, it's kind of goes in general with the show. Um, like, once you get past that, the show obviously is a hell of a lot more than that. It's a hell of a yeah. lot more than furry fan service. But yeah, both these characters are, uh, are perfectly fit. Or both actresses are uh, perfectly cast and performed for their roles. Um, and it's kind of a shame, like, that we don't get to see more of them. Like, Kiri does get kind of sidelined, I feel, uh, compared to the main four, which we'll talk about next. But when she does show up, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah, so y'all, so y'all ready to move on? Lesbians! Lesbians! Disaster lesbians! Oh, no, only I one of them's a disaster much. lesbian. Only one of them's a disaster lesbian. Natsume just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Natsume's oh, just a himbo. Natsume's a himbo and knows what she fucking wants. A himbo, a himbo. Can a girl be a himbo? A himbo, a herbo, a thebo, a thembo. A herbo. Herbo. Turbo? Herbo, turbo? How, how you both? Gummy bears? I don't know. Bouncing here and there and everywhere. Here, there, everywhere and not so not to man yes. red. Not to man red. <laughs> not to man red. We love not to man red in this house. One's a proactive lesbian, the other's a reactive lesbian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's a relationship. Not to make boy aloof, you know. The pretty much cares about others, doesn't really think for herself. Has tends to have fun with a lot of things. Red is yeah. Pretty good, like yeah, yeah, charming beauty, but you know she kind of has this uh meat side to her a little bit. 
She's deeply in love with Natsume and has trouble showing it from time to time. <laughs> from time to time? Tru- she doesn't have trouble showing it. She has trouble channeling it in the right moment. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the whole scene with the, the ghost and she thinks she's about oh, to be kissed yeah. by Natsume. Oh my god. Just kiss me, you fool. <laughs> she was more than ready to jump into bed with the ghost. Oh yeah. 100% she was. She wasn't seeing, but clearly yeah. through it. I can see and clearly now clearly the now, rain. The rain no, no, no. I can see clearly now the ghost is gone. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, Anyways these bitches gay. Good for them. Good they, for them. They disaster lesbians that deserve each other because they're precious. Yeah, pretty much. <sighs> And play these two. And it is played by Kate Oxley, and that's based voiced by Emily Fajardo. Kate Oxley, you've also heard this Fuyumi Todoroki in Young Bakugo, actually, in My Hero Academia, Momo Adachi Peach Girl, and Akane Sudamori in Psychopaths. Emily Fajardo, you've also heard this Badania, Badania, Madama. Manana Nodomura in Chiyo School World. Oh, Manana. Oh, God, Manana. <laughs> Speaking Manana. of disaster lesbians. <laughs> yeah, cool. Pretty much. And, and Ewa and Higurashi when they cry go. Ah, I, I just finished it today, finally. So, ah. Yeah. <laughs> that bitch. <laughs> yeah, that bitch. Oh. Uh, I've been watching through Peach Girl recently, and uh, wow, Kate Oxley has come a long way since uh, the early 2000s. You don't so hear you. Kate too often nowadays. I think honestly. it's because she, she's yeah. actually like a school teacher in her day job. Probably. I think. Ah, that would make sense. Maybe? Okay. I don't know 100%, well, but like you don't hear her too often, which is a shame. Yeah, this but is when, a treat. Yeah, 100%. This is a treat. When she shows up, it's a treat. Yeah, because this is. Okay, when I was first watching this, back when it was simulcasting in 2017, I, I assumed that Ren would be the token Sundere character. Uh, I was wrong. That was actually a different character in this cast. <laughs> but, because, but because Ren uh, is, um, she's very concerned about her appearance, but she's got a sinister side to her, like a very condescending side. And Kate has to play both halves of that. So when Ren is up front with the guests and is trying to present herself well and is serving hot sake, she's got this very prim and uh, put together voice. But then when she's like kind of behind the scenes, she's got almost a, a kind of a snootier voice to her, especially when we first meet Yuzu. I think her first line behind the curtain is, uh, she must be slow. Yep. And it's, it's so mean, girl. It's, yeah. it's so fittingly mean, girl. Like... Ren has this whole Ren has this whole perception of like the of the customer base that Konohanate attends to but she also has this perception of like being a what a, like a, a proper lady and a fantastic hostess and like basically she almost is the definition of the customer is always right almost Almost. Almost. I don't know if it's well. It's. I mean, it's. It's more that she. She expects everyone to. I'm sorry, especially girls to 
always be looking good, and she wants to help them get that way. She's basically Kurinosuke if he was born as a fox girl in the Meiji period. Maybe, but when I say, like, she's almost the definition of the customer is always right, um, she will do basically anything for her customers. Almost anything. But then you have, again, going back to the dude that basically freaking harasses her and touches her butt and she has no idea what to do because she's like i don't want to cause a scene i don't want to make this a whole big deal you know what i mean like she Mm -hmm. has this like small internal conflict of like i don't want to ruin this everybody's having a good time this is gonna be my fault but then like natsume jumps in and is like excuse me sir you had too much fucking drinks you need to go now, see, I don't think, though, that, I mean, you're right, that is how she responds, but I don't think it's because she's conflicted about make about calling out a customer, because customers are always right. It's more that it contrasts with her idea of what a woman should be, and that is that a woman should not uh, be that way, should not be upfront about it, basically should not call out their harassers, because that would rock the boat. Honestly, so I, I, honestly all this time, she's kind, she's kind of the, to me, the epitome of... All the servers I've ever worked with, especially even now, because mm-hmm. I see some of that si- similar situation in the hospitality environment. So, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. so uh, having one's perception about how a woman should be as opposed to how a woman actually is, yeah, where it can be kind of difficult, but as long as she learns to like flex that idea, I think she and Natsume will get along very well. So, uh, I mean, that's why Natsume is so essential is because she balances out that part of her. Because Natsume ain't give, she is honey badger. She don't give a fuck. She will absolutely <laughs> when you are not. Supposed, I love it. Not, are you saying Natsume is Jeremy Inman? Yes, 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 she is. I got that reference. Anyways, <laughs> I'm but that yeah. over my head. It, Africa Salad. Africa you bad. Okay. But, but yeah. Oh boy, you're in the for a tree. Uh, yeah, but with Kate Oxy, you're right. You don't hear a lot of anime nowadays. No, and when I, yeah, and when I heard her this role, I was kind of taken back a little because I'm like, you see this cute pretty girl, and then you find out like she has a slightly yonder shatter because you know she has expectations of how a woman should be and stuff, and, and it's it's kind of like. Does this voice really match the personality she has? Hmm. What what really clicked for me was her little anger spats. Oh, yeah. yeah. For for example, when she's yelling in the well, all those run-on sentences. The fact, I think she managed to do that in one breath. Yeah. The fact that she can do that, I don't Mm -hmm. know if she did that in one breath or if she had to, like, do it multiple takes to slide it up. The fact that she did was just ran along with it. It, re- it really clicked for me because, like, again, like, that kind of personality, that voice didn't necessarily match until that point. Right. And I thought, I thought Kate did a very good job because I know with, like, some people, Kate doesn't really click because I, me- I still remember that uh, Shonen made episode y'all did years ago. And Kate's one of those, <laughs> uh, love her, leave it kind of thing, kind of types, so, uh. Speaking of love and leave it, but... <laughs> I mean, I really do like Kate as Ren a lot. Like, it's... The whole the whole staff of Konohanate is a fun and interesting dynamic, and 
like all of the voices are different and distinct that you know like this is Ren, this is Natsume, this is Yuzu, this is Kiri. Like they're distinct and I think the dynamic is there. But can I just say Emily Fajardo stole the show for me. Yes. <laughs> I love Natsume so I- much. I will admit, one of the reasons I wanted to do Kodahada Kita as an episode was because of Emily Fajardo. Because for one thing, you see you see her a lot nowadays in anime, uh, uh, a lot of upcoming anime and so on. Like, I know, like, they're like, she's in major roles in shows we don't cover, not interested in covering. Or she's, like, a really big role in shows we do cover, but not big enough. It's, and to me, it's kind of sad because she has a really good voice. To me, yeah. she's, like... Uh, a little bra- uh, brasher version of Terry Doty, if you can believe it. But okay, at the same I, time, I kind of hear it. I kind of hear. But at the same, oh, but yes. at the same time, her personality comes into her own, especially if you watch Chiyo School Road. Because my <laughs> God, <laughs> we gotta talk about Chiyo School Road at some point, please. I I want to talk about Chiyo. I bet Hardy would want she- it on that if we did it. Well, we're finally getting around to things from 2017, so I'm sure 2018 can't be <laughs> far down the road. Wrong. Look, Chiyo School World is basically, fuck, my slides, the anime. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> That's Chiyo School World in the This is why I love Leah Clark's writing so Ren much. Ren really wants to fuck an Atsume slides, if you know what I'm saying. Oh my gosh. Really, babe? <laughs> really, Andrew? I, their dynamic is, Natsume is an interesting uh, beast in mm-hmm. this show because uh, she's not, she, she's the least uh, curvy of all the girls. And I'm super used to anime where there's a flat-chested girl surrounded by lots of other women, especially ones where they get naked a lot of time, for there to be call-outs for Natsume to be like, uh, hmm, look at those mosquito bites, or like, you're not feminine-looking at all. But no, the show goes in the opposite direction, and it plays up uh, what they call a nymph-like personality. Yes. Like, her body type being uh, very, very attractive to Ren, and I can honestly see that being... A thing that a lot of women yeah, can be attracted yeah. to. There Ren, is a, I think Ren is a, the one who describes Natsume as kind of like this mystical nymph kind of creature. Yeah. Right. That andro- The androgynous can be oh, hot. Yeah. Let's not sugarcoat around it. Oh, yeah. Um, probably the most famous example uh, in a mainstream anime uh, is Howl from Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah, that kind of. kind of uh, that metrosexual ma- male who is not masculine, but not entirely feminine. That can be very hot for a lot of oh, women. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that. Yeah, Natsume get that we get a positive representation of that in this show. I love Emily's Natsume though; she's my favorite. Am I a man? <laughs> Am I a woman? Everybody thinks I'm hot, therefore everyone is gay. <laughs> but no, I I really you know? love Natsume's tone because it's Natsume, of course, comes off as a tomboy, right? So obviously, yeah, yeah. she wants to sumo. I wrestle. know. But so the tone is there, but there's just enough of a feminine quality to Emily's voice that you just know this that Natsume is a girl. Like there's just enough of a to- of, of of a feminine tone that makes it work so well, and <laughs> not. See, I never, I didn't, I didn't think that she was uh, like necessarily um, uh, pushing more towards the androgynous side, like. I didn't think there was any a uh, uh, moment of doubt that she was uh, that Natsume was. Well, female. here's the thing, though. The main joke with Natsume's character is that she is mistaken as a boy more often than not. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. So, like, I feel like I Emily that. has more of the tomboyish tone, 
but has just enough of a feminine quality to that to still make it clear mm -hmm. that she is a girl. You know what I mean? It the tone is is masculine enough to keep the comedic bit there that she is mistaken as a boy a lot. Mm -hmm. But the feminine there is a slight feminine quality to that tone as well. So that by the audience, even though we already know from the get-go, like this is also a girl, um, that quality is still there. Um, if that makes sense. I wouldn't even yeah. call it feminine. I, I I mean I you're right that there is a feminine uh, quality there, but the thing that I think defines Emily's Natsume is actually that she doesn't sound super young. Right. Uh, lot, like she's meant she's meant to be younger than um, the older characters in the hotel, but yet she she sounds almost college age. Yeah. And it's like that's a yeah, very I intentional way to. Yeah, that's an intentional way to make her sound not as girly as as Ren or Yuzu. Yeah, is. that's fair. That's a fair point to make there. I'll say this though. I actually wasn't the biggest fan of Emily as Natsume at first. It sounded really? a, it sounded a little yeah. odd. I wasn't sure if it was at odds with How like the character de the character design and the per personality, but I guess it was just like I was expecting mm -hmm. a little more I'm not even sure how I would describe it. It sounded almost a little too, like... Too boyish? Oh, too old, too young, too girl. I, too I, girl, I guess at first boy. it seemed a little too... I, I guess my brain, it was, it was, I was getting the impression that, like, Natsume was a very androgynous character, but I feel like it leaned almost a little too into the masculine at first. Okay. But then I realized, like, once Emily started getting a little more comfortable <laughs> with the character. <coughs> I'm just going to redo that part. Sorry. But once I saw Emily was getting a little more comfortable with the character, I, I kind of understood what the character was going for. Mm -hmm. In that they kind of were just this well-meaning, uh, just tomboy dumbass. <laughs> She isn't the brightest bulb. That's why it's not right. the brightest bulb. She doesn't she's know not how to read That's why to me, like, she's not the sharpest That's why to me, share, Natsume but... genuinely feels like the most <laughs> actual definition of himbo is that they are, is that Natsume is very sweet, oh. very kind, and dumb as bricks. <laughs> and, uh, him absolutely respects women. Oh, absolutely. Hardcore yeah. respects women. Absolutely. I, I love... I love the final line in that waiting lovesick episode yeah. where uh, you know all the all the genders have been gotten out and Yaoi is kind of confessing. I could, Ren's the kind of Chris I could fall in love with. And this whole episode, Natsume hasn't has really, been kind like, of oblivious the whole Ren's time. Emotions. Mm. Yeah, but then that final line, she's like, um, you know, uh, Ren's not for you because I said so. I'm like, yeah. I love that immaturity where it's like, even though like you're very nice, she's it's mine. like, no, look. I'm gonna stand my ground. Yeah. Also, like, like, don't get also you see her get so mad at uh, Sasuke's sister, where it's like, oh, you bitch. Yeah. Because <laughs> fucking when Hiragi and Ayame go to visit, <laughs> and Hiragi just basically like straight up flirts with Ren, and Ren is just like Tries so over. It, it like, takes a lot to fuck? it takes a lot to make Natsuki a mad at anybody. Oh, not to make up pissed. Oh, like legit. There is there is subtext. There is undertones. No, these two are actually in love with each other, 
And I kind of applaud that the mm -hmm. show isn't sugarcoating it. They're just straight up an item. No, oh, yeah. Like, it's not... The show does not hide it, and I think that's fine. They just also don't know how to fucking it, it, talk to each other about their damn feelings half the time. I mean, the, the dynamic of the show can't go any further than that. Like, we, we can't get them, like, engaged to each other within the context of the show. This isn't Yuri on Ice, where that kind of development could right. happen. They nah, have to stay it's Yuri on Hotel. You're it not is, wrong. <laughs> but, uh, yes. I'm just saying that they can't go. They can't develop beyond the status quo uh, with the way that the show is structured. So much arrows, a woman like Wynn could get pregnant. <sighs> so I, I'm still thinking that he exceeds. So <laughs> that episode was weird. It is it, structured weird. Just well deep. Nothing as strange it. as egg pregnancy. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, because it starts off with. Fun. With Ren with Renosuke's little little Ren. egg, and Natsume is just like, I don't know what's happening, I'll, but I will take full responsibility. Everyone's like, what the fuck, Natsume? <laughs> That's not how... Sleeping next to each other is not how pregnancy works. Ah, close enough. You know what I mean? Ah, uh, that explains so much. Still. It's kind of funny. Just a little... Yeah, these, these two are... I You said they stole the show... I, I'm not sure if I'd say they stole the show, but they're definitely the best duo they're of the, the show. They're the best duo of the show, and I, personally, I loved Emily as Natsume, that she's my favorite performance of the show. Honestly. Um, yeah, I just loved it. They are in lesbians with one another. They are in lesbians! <laughs> we stand the lesbian We stand boxes. Natsume and Ren in this house. Have they done crimes yet, though? Um, let see. Would, uh... No, no, we're saving that for season two. <laughs> I think we got one last pair on the night shift before we wrap up for the night. Yeah, it's basically can... your last, our last pair of foxes. So, uh, we have... It's like, we basically have the two main characters of the show, if you think about it. Uh, we have Yuzu and we have Satsuki. Now, Yuzu is a newcomer to the Kodahadate was raised in a remote village by a sister Bikuni, has no concept of city life, and uh, is uh, very much a klutz, basically. Uh, we, yeah, we find out that uh, she was not only tutored by sister Bikuni, it was her idea to go to court of Hardate when she got older, you know, just to get much more, a much grander idea of the world. And boy, does she, boy, does she have experience, especially with episode twelve. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we have, I guess, essentially the other half. We have Satsuki. Uh, the interesting thing about Satsuki is uh, a long time ago, her and her sister Haragi, there was a debate between who should go to serve the goddesses and who should work at the court of Hadate. Satsuki was chosen. To work at the court of Hayate because they thought that her sister was better suited to be a princess when you come to find out. A princess? Hold on. <laughs> I mean, sorry, that, that was a slip of the tongue. I was like, I don't know if Hiragi would be better suited as a princess <laughs> given how she behaves. <laughs> oh no. Yes, oh, babe. that was a slip of the tongue. She'll make you feel a like a, pr a pillow princess after she's done with you. That's oh for sure. god. Everyone can everyone can attest that their favorite Disney movie is The Princess and the Fox. <laughs> but, 
Hey. Better to be a priest. Unlike a certain cape crusader, she's no coward. <laughs> We're going there tonight, aren't we? No, Let's be real that here. That wasn't a cape crusader. That was just DC. Let's be real here. Every fox in this show is more heroic than Batman. Anyway. <laughs> it turns out that her sister's kind of inferior. Satsuki is on the brains of the family, so she's set to work as a cold heart as a result. She has not given up on her dreams of serving the gods just yet, but between these two, they find out more about each other and find out about themselves, basically. But the uh, voice of these two, Yuzu is voiced by Lindsay Seidel, and Satsuki is voiced by Darth Bennett. Lindsay Seidel, you've also heard this Nagisa in the assassination classroom. Kyoko is... is Kyoko is this a zombie? Kido and Kido study the beautiful world. And then Ger Yeah, I know. Noah's having and flashbacks. <laughs> I, 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 nothing against Lindsay. It's just I really hate that. But, I mean, Lurch, you did a good job on this show, but what the hell with Kino's journey to the beautiful world? What the I hell? I never finished the beautiful world. I still yeah, need to finish don't. the original Kino's journey. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, no, no, we're stopping no, the podcast. No, we already stopped it enough show. times. Let's go. Going over to the K section. Anyway, and, while, while Noah's and, yelling at me right. from beyond the and, internet. And, and, and then Hado and My Hero Academia. Don Bernie also has Misuzu Sonokada and Eldlife, Emperor Penguin Kimono Friends, Yozura the Helpful Fox Seiko-san, and Ah is Show by Rock. Okay, I got the box set right here. All right, Lilac, pick an episode between 1 and 13. We're watching this sucker. Look, man, I'm not no. going through the feels again. No. So. no. <laughs> Fair enough. He, we'll do that Here's what day. I think is a bit interesting. Because um, I'm going to... Uh, with Lindsay Seidel, there was a f little bit of a gap for Lindsay um, because she went with her... At that point, I believe it was her fiancé because he was in school. Um, so, if I'm thinking my timeline correctly, this would be around the time when Lizzie got back into Dallas, and she kind of started getting into doing some roles again. Um, I could be dead wrong, though, <laughs> timing-wise, but I feel like that was a thing that happened. Um, but Lindsay is so precious. She's young and naive and just, like... Such a hard worker and wants to learn, and you, you two are so adorable. She's such a sweetheart. She is the Toru of this Dude, show. Wow. She's what? The Toru. She is the Toru Honda of this oh show. My, oh okay, my okay, god. Okay, no, honestly, well, I was thinking about it watching this show. Mm -hmm. She actually kind of sometimes sounds eerily similar to Laura Bailey's Toru Honda. God. Like something about the inflection and the way she approaches things. There are times she sounds eerily, scarily similar to Toru. And Yuzu can be pretty philosophical, like Toru can be yeah, sometimes. God it, damn it, it, you're right. Yes, in the fuck, I hate it, you. It's in those philosophical moments, not not in the um, you know, uh, higher pitched, uh, klutzy. I'm sorry, you had to save me, voice. But yeah, it's in those where she's trying to comfort right. people who are going yeah. through struggles just by helping them realize the good things in life. And like I was saying, every episode has kind of a lesson or a moral attached to it. 
and most of them are kind of delivered through the mouth of Yuzu's observations. Yeah, you're not wrong. Damn it. <laughs> so. No, there's nothing. Uh, uh, when has being compared to Toru Hondo ever been a bad I thing? I mean, true. True. But now my brain just can't stop thinking of it. I'm like, dang. <laughs> but no, <laughs> Lindsay's precious and adorable, and I love it so, so much. Like, she even does. though she almost gets dragged off to fucking the river sticks like five fucking times in the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, you know, you. it's like, oh, you realize you were this close to being dead. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and anytime, anytime the visuals go from detailed character designs to the, well, I don't know what term you want to call that, you know, where they, it's like the simplified fox silhouette character designs. That's where she goes into that higher pitched squeaky voice. Yeah, yeah. kind of. The voice we all know Lindsay for, usually. 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 Sometimes she no. does different. I mean, I, well, I, I know Lindsay, like, I hear Lindsay, I think, Nagisa from Assassination Classroom. It's just interesting that, you know, we had another androgynous character in this show, whereas I, I feel like Lindsay kind of nailed that way to do it, at least for the character in Assassination Classroom. Not to me, it's a little bit of a different kind of androgynous character. But... I do, I do like that, uh, the one thing that Lindsay doesn't do, which I really appreciate, because it's really hard to do Moe characters, is that she doesn't dip into baby voice yes. very often. There's a few times here or there, but yeah, that kind of baby squeak voice way of speaking is mostly uh, held off. But it, and it's still cute. Like, the very first thing I wrote on my notes, the very top of the list was, oh my god, it's adorable! Because it really is adorable. I mean and what's, especially... what's interesting because I, I love how, I, I do like how you said she doesn't entirely go with the cutesy sweetie voice Yuzu grows over the course of the show yeah. and Lindsay Arguably. Lindsay with that grows with Yuzu and it works very well yeah pretty much yeah and then on the opposite end of the spectrum you got Don Bennett oh yeah <laughs> oh, oh Don <laughs> okay Don is the best performance in the show yeah, really? I, I, I can... Uh, I'm going to straight up say, say that Don Bennett is mm. the best performance okay. in the stub, and I feel like not only just because it's good, but because it at the time it was still a relatively impressive Don, because I did wasn't quite aware of how, like, deep, growly she could kind of go a bit with Sasuke, where she has that deep, authoritative, like, no-nonsense level attitude, but you still see that level of, like, sweetness ooze through when she's trying to hide it. Because, no, you're right. Red wasn't the Sundere. Sasuke is. Sasuke is the yeah. biggest yeah. freaking Sun, and I love her. And, like, uh, Dawn plays her with such strength, no-nonsense attitude, while also being a total, like, sweetheart. And she just really sells the strength the sternness, while also the genuine sweetness, adorableness, and, like, her love for her friends and her comrades and all that. She's also really, really funny to watch her interact and bounce off the other characters. Whether it's Kiri uh, being a dick to her, or just Yuzu just being <laughs> the sweetest Yuzu little- Yuzu being Yuzu. Okay, you know what? If we're bringing this full yeah. circle, we're bringing this full circle. Oh, boy. If Yuzu's Toru- Satsuki's kill. God damn it! Yep. Wow. Yeah, yeah. 
I can't argue uh, against my favorite... you. That's the worst part of this. <laughs> I, I want to point to like just one little interaction that I think highlights their dynamic really well. It's the scene where Satsuki gets shrunk down, yeah. and she's basically having Yuzu uh, speak orders oh, for her God. so someone can hear her. <laughs> And so what she, yeah, Satsuki shouts out to Natsume, uh, where, I wrote it down here somewhere, where was it? It was, um... Something about don't it, walk on the moss. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, it, she shouts out, because Natsume's on the moth, she shouts, I should rep, uh, she shouts out, um, I gotta smack you. <laughs> She's just like, I should reprimand you I should reprimand you physically. Oh, God. <laughs> That's just Oh, yeah. Funny. Yeah, that, yeah, that episode was fun. I was I was a little indifferent though on how they portrayed that because I thought maybe because she was shrunken down that they would like pitch up her voice high. Pitch her voice I'm kind of glad they But did. in hindsight, yeah, yeah. I, in hindsight I'm glad they did it to either because you yeah. know you, you still gotta capture Satsuki's personality. Right, and like if you tried circles, pitching yeah. the voice up it could you you, you run not, the risk of it possibly going borderline cartoonish too. And that's not what you need yeah, there for are, this. There are shows where that works out. Like Midori Days is a good example of where a character gets smaller. But Midori their voice Days gets is more like straight up comedy that, compared to Konohana Kiton. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. So, that, yeah, I can see where you're coming from, Jamal. and But I, I'm glad they also did not oh, pitch no, it yeah. for that one that's episode. Great. Yeah, th and, I think the the moment that happened afterwards, because you can see how flustered Sasuke gets when Kiri's just trolling her about how she got back to normal. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I read in Western stories. But I think what really makes Sasuke work is the fact that, again, Don, Don also takes a naturalistic approach because when any of us that have ever met her, you know that's her actual voice. Right. Like, and before that, you normally would... When Dawn was still relatively new, you didn't really know her very well for what you would conceivably know as her natural-sounding voice. I think. It's been a hot minute. I mean, I, I don't go into many shows with a preconception of how they're supposed no. to sound. Unless there are voices that are, like, super distinct in my head, like uh, uh, Sarah Wiedenhef being an right, example. I, I don't have, like, a preconceived idea of what no, Dawn Bennett No, I get you, but like. I'm just saying from a perspective of, like, like, in terms of, like, the growth of the actor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's just an added bonus yeah. for those who are, uh, are more mm -hmm. in the know. Right, it's the same idea as, like, someone being typecast as a certain kind of thing, but then getting a chance to branch out. It's its similar in that regard. Certainly. Um, that's kind of yeah. how I felt a little bit, too. So. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Lindsay is adorable as Yuzu, and I i love uh, Don's portrayal as Satsuki. It's genuinely my favorite in the whole show. Yeah. And what's kind of funny is, look at these two characters. I... I didn't realize it until I started rewatching the show. I'm actually depending on both of them because, like Satsuki, I can be a busybody when I'm on the clock, but when it's my days off, I'm just aloof and want to chill out. But I don't really care much about how do I you look. Spare off, so. Do you stare off into space, Jamal? <laughs> like you sometimes, sometimes does. Have you... <laughs> but I'm also, also kind of like Yuzu, in which I can like be oblivious to certain things and. There are certain aspects of life I understand, fully understand, but you know, deep down I can be carried and like, I can pull through what needs to be, you know? Yeah, I get you. Yeah, so, like I, like I said, I, I like I like these kind of shows that kind of really make you think, like, 
well not too much about like how like the show is supposed to work except I make you think about yourself so what I think yeah yeah like the like I was saying those special moments that Yuzu is kind of like highlighting the the theme of the episode yeah. and it starts right at the beginning I think the the theme she points to in episode one is that you should take the time to appreciate the beauty around you and you could let that just completely pass you by or you could actually think to yourself you know what? I should. It's a nice day outside. I'm like, life is good. I should appreciate the beauty oh, around yeah, me. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think we could take a moment to reflect on that final thoughts. I uh, have one introspective thought. Uh oh, what? Is every lesbian in this into pet play? <sighs> so, final thoughts on the show is that <laughs> it you, is Noah. actually a <laughs> really you, well constructed. Uh, <laughs> It, okay, so like we were saying before, the dub had a huge challenge to overcome oh. in that it's super Japanese, and they adapted it really well. Um, I think the way, the reason that it works so well is because Deborah uh, really differentiated which characters should be given like more slangy terms, wh which ones should have more vernacular speech patterns. Like Satsuki definitely gets more of those. Like she calls Yuzu a shrimp at the beginning of the show. Uh, and then other characters are more reserved and use more formal speech patterns. So that, coupled with the good direction from Cliff and Jade, uh, helps round out this entire episodic series. You'll have your favorite episodes, you'll have your not-so-favorite episodes, but there will definitely be at least one episode, I feel, that strikes a chord with anyone who watches this. So in a lot of ways, like shows like Violet Evergarden or Mushishi that are just really good episodic mm -hmm. shows, this one definitely plays up to that. No, it's Konohana Kiton is definitely one of those shows that probably very likely flew under people's radars when it came out. Um, very. Yeah, and I'm very happy we're talking about it like three years later, three four years later now, because it is such a very nice, chill, calming show, and it does have its comedy to it, but it also has like all of these. Mo moments and themes and kind of these life lessons in a way um, that you can draw upon in your life. I mean, the fact that <laughs> I fucking hardcore related to the doll episode with Lily, Lord Almighty. Um, in terms of the English dub, I think it was handled very beautifully. Um, like Noah said, Deborah Crane's writing was definitely was so stellar. Because it not only made the it not only made it accessible for English speaking audiences, but a lot of the comedy, a lot of a lot of a lot of the comedy was intact, a lot of the um <laughs> a lot of the mysticism and this present presence is not the right word, but you kinda get what I'm saying. It's all there in a nice, wonderful little package. And and the performances and the acting, it's just the whole thing is so solid. It's a very solid show, and it's a very relaxing show. If you haven't watched Konohana Kiton, please do. It's one of those, I think, one of those underrated gems that people haven't seen, so. I feel like this is a show that shouldn't work as well as it does. Every time I, like, think about what it is, is that, on the one hand, it is an Iyashike, which is basically a calming, very laid-back, comfy show. On the other hand, mm -hmm. is also an aggressively goofy, horny fox lesbian it's show. Horny light. 
Like, like it is aggressively goofy, silly, moe, and sometimes very fanservice horny. It's also very much a, a love letter to some of, uh, like, Japanese folklore, mythology, mm. and the types of gods, demons, and stories that they've talked about in the past. Would, Andrew, would you say that it's nostalgic for the past? I think that's a good way of putting it, yes. It's got a sort of nostalgia for what was, like, the old times, but I wouldn't say... I wouldn't say it does it in a way where it's almost... A crude way of saying it. Almost kind of, like, masturbatory for, like, the good old days. Like, oh, things used to be better back mm -hmm. then. It's just... There's a yearning for a simpler time and I feel yes. that comes across in some of these stories but it's also just a really thought-provoking episodic tale about concepts of life death and what comes next mm -hmm. about people moving on how people deal how a woman who lost her child young copes with the fact that her child never got to grow up yeah. an old man who lost his way of life coming to terms with the fact that things will never be the same a girl who's afraid that nobody believes who she is and can't bear with it anymore a girl a ghost girl who killed herself and was willing to become anything she wanted to make people happy yeah. before yuzu was like the only way you'll truly be happy is if you are happy with yourself mm -hmm. it's just a charming, wonderful, strange amalgamation of a show that's really charming, and I really am glad I got to watch it and talk about it again. The dub, I would say, is good. I think it is a little rough in some areas. Like, you can definitely tell it's got a lot of people who are were a little new at the time, who sometimes didn't have their footing, like, quite clear on how they were approaching some of the things. But I think the dub is solid and well thought out and well acted enough that it really was a worthwhile experience. And I'm glad I got to talk about it and cover it again. So, yeah, like I say, this was a show I wanted to cover for a long time because normally with these types of shows, we've covered these types of shows, whether before this one or after this one, have like some of the similar concepts. Mm -hmm. And in that, uh, you know, even though they tend to blend Japanese folklore with like different subgenres, it's not really in your face about any one topic in particular. And I kind of like that. I also kind of like how it just like it can make me think about certain aspects in certain ways. And it's just like it's a it's a comfy chill show. And uh, with the dub, the the dub is not completely solid, but it is very spectacular. Especially for the time period it came from, because, like, like Andrew said, you know, there were some new names at the time, but, and since they've grown to become household names, it's just that, uh, you know, every everybody needs to be given due diligence, pretty much, and uh, from the director to the script writing to the cast, everything kind of balances out as what else it should be, as what it should play out. And uh, Kodan Kita is definitely one of those shows that went under the radar, especially in a time where there's, there was like Shonen, there was like name brand anime that people recognized. And that really kind of upset me back when we did the fall election up because, you know, 
you you gotta go for something out of the box every once in a while, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's why we we don't do election arcs really anymore, so No, we just do patriots now. Yeah, so just uh stuff. I mean not not that we don't take viewer suggestions, it's just that we also want to be able to cover a wide range of things. Which look, we'll tell you this. There's never gonna stop being anime for us to cover. Lord, we're gonna be here for a There's never gonna stop being anime, period. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, so, there will always be animation being made, and it's and it's it's more than you will ever be able to it's watch. More than we will and, ever and be able to cover. Embrace that truth right now. But in our in our lifetime, we're cover. not going to cover be able to cover everything. Are you kidding me? But we'll get we'll get we'll do the best we can to at least get some good ones in there. We are, as the show points out, we are good Fox servants, and we do the best we can. Yep. Yes. And if you want to see the show for yourself, it's available on Funimation Now. Or, fuck. It's available streaming for Funimation Now. It's $6 a month if you pick the bottom plan, $8 a month if you pick the premium plan. I think it's $100 a year if you take the top tier plan. There's also a 14-day free trial if you want to watch it or any other titles in their catalog. But make sure to cancel if you wish. The credit card is required and you'll be charged after the trial. If you want to own the show yourself, it's available on Blu-ray DVD, either standard edition or essential edition for white stuff. Best Buy, wherever you purchase your anime. But as for us and what we get up to, plug yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. Hi there. My name is Classy Spartan. You find me over on Twitter at MangaMan9000. You might know me... For some of, I am a moderator over on the Funimation Discord, as well as I'm a, a podcaster on Surreal Resolutions Podcast ONA, where I talk about latest anime news alongside fellow Dub Talk podcast cohort Jet. Uh, my my name is Stephanie. Sometimes I'm called Lilac. Depends on the day. Uh, mostly Noah, uh, <laughs> but um, you can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review with review being spelled R E V U E. I also have a blog, Life and Times, at talk.wordpress.com. At the time of recording this episode, because we have we we decided to kind of let the some of the movie stuff happen and not do double dip on episodes, because Lord, we're tired. Um, I hopefully I'm still doing this by the time this comes out. Um, I have been streaming on the Dub Talk Twitch. I have been streaming on the Dub Talk Twitch on Thursday nights. So if if I'm still doing it by the time when this comes out, then come come have fun with us. It's it come have fun. It's a great time. Indeed. Uh, my name is Noah Clue, and I watch terrible Valentine's Day anime. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I hope I hope you all enjoyed this year's uh, this year's servings. That was uh, that was an oh. adventure Th that we will never ever we we'll never get that bad again. No, I, hope. I hope not. I, Fuck. I pray to the fox gods I we never not. do. Jesus. But 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 when I but if you want to follow me for when I'm not being subjected to the torture chamber, you can follow me on Twitter at Noah Clue, where I like to discuss everything about animation from around the world. I like I offer the the classy worldly perspective to this group because all these people here need to you know they need to watch more russian cartoons 
Everyone needs to watch more Russian cartoons. Go watch The Twelve Months. That's a good movie from the 1960s that more people should check out. Okay. Uh, as for as for me, I can be found on my Twitter, Jabstar529, on YouTube at Jabstar1. I'm a sister editor for the podcast. Uh, Blogs Collected Dust. I plan to do some solo podcasting soon. Uh, as for the show, you can also, I don't know how this just slipped my mind, but apparently you can also find Kodoha the Kitan available on Crunchyroll. But please, but please give the show your love and support. Please. It is very underrated. On top of that, if you also want to give your support to the podcast, we can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Podbean. That's it, right? Yeah, Spotify, can... Apple Podcasts, Podbean. Yep, accurate. Well, <laughs> those yeah, those well, are the big ones, we can, yeah. We can also be found on social media and Instagram. No, not really. Uh, at Tumblr, Tub- not really. Okay, not really. our big ones are t- Dub Talk Podcast. No, he, on- was, he was getting to it. He's doing a bit. Oh, okay. On Twitch at Dub Talk Podcast. Come watch his stream where- things. Yes, well, right now it's just uh, Megan, you, Steph, uh, and Ahmad streaming as far as I know. Yeah, I'm on on occasion, but at the time of recording this, it's mostly been Megan and I consistently, so... And hopefully really by the time this episode comes out, we make fucking Twitch affiliate, too. We're that yes. fucking close, guys. Hallelujah. Yes, and I hope I hope to join you in your streaming soon. Hell yeah. But, uh, speaking of which, we can also be found on Twitter at Dub Talk Podcast. But if you really want to give your support to the podcast, we also have a Kofi and a Patreon as well. To which, in our $5 tier for patrons, we have Megan's mom and dad. Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazon, Nico Robin, but with Yowie Heads. Can I call him Nico Robin, but with Yowie Heads just for tonight? Yes. I don't yes, think Jackson should. would Give mind. Executive permission. Okay, then. Yes, Nico Robin, but with Yowie Heads. <laughs> Sue Tweet and Victor May Baroda. In our $10 tier, we have Carly Leistercow, Crimson Kinder, Jacob Wilson, J2, aka Jared, Julia W., Man, it's a lot of J's. Uh, the one called Lenti. And Otaku Anthony, thank you all for being such lovely patrons. Thank you. Thank you for being patrons at our hotel. We hope you enjoy your service. And thank you guys for obliging me for my birthday. Happy belated birthday. Happy birthday. Happy belated birthday. And when this episode comes out, it'll be even more fucking belated. God. (laughs) Yeah. Because this will probably come out in late August, early September. So... Yeah, so yeah, I think you guys deserve a break. We should wrap up soon. If you want, there's some cake in the break room. Ah, yeah, yeah I love that idea. But don't don't eat the medicine that makes you smaller. Yeah, sweetie, don't eat that little little thing. That looks oh like lord, I better hope Sakura didn't get to the cake first. Oh, oh no. no. Anyways, we thank you hey, for well. the hospitality. It's time to go to bed. Good. Any final words? Aloha. Any final words before we sign off? <laughs> Go to sleep. Nya, nya, nya. Nya, 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 nya. So for Bob... May the, may the of, of, of sweet fox girls lull you to sleep. Happy birthday, Jamal. Nya, nya, nya. Thank you. Nya, so for both of us here at Dub Talk, good night. Otaku on. Hey, keep the peace. Good. Good night, y'all.